500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds G'day everybody, and for those who have come in late, you're listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. My name is Jermaine, and tonight I am joined by Dan. How are you, mate? <laughs> oh, I was on tenor hooks then. Um, no, glad to, be, glad to be here. Um, yeah, good, mate. Very good. We, uh, we're recording this at the start of the Phantom board game Kickstarter campaign, so I've been a bit obsessed with Phantom all day and board games. I'm not sure whether this will be published or, or released before or after the Kickstarter campaign finishes, um, but anyway, that's that's where I've been at today, just absorbed in the Kickstarter and, and seeing what happens there. Yeah, it's a very exciting little period at the moment for uh, Phantom, with a lot of things going on. Um, so we won't we won't talk too long. Unfortunately, Stephen is unable to join us because uh, he had an emergency tooth extraction. <laughs> Uh, yes. He has finally joined the club of being wise and had one of his wisdom tooth uh, take out, taken out. Um, myself, I had my I was I had all four of my wisdom teeth taken out at seventeen. So they did say that I was wise above my uh, years. So um, maybe there's a bit of uh, evidence to that one. Uh, when did you have yours out, Dan? Um, I've still got two and a half of mine. The other one and a half were taken out about uh, actually about a year ago. About a year ago. Um, it was just before Easter last year, so um, they had to chop one in half and grind it back, and it was a very unpleasant 90 minutes in the chair, and um, yes. I've still got a hole there now that I get um, rice and whatever stuck in, so anyway. Well, I reckon tonight because we're talking to uh, a very special guest tonight. Do you like how I did that? Yes, well um, <laughs> So uh, we won't... Uh, delay too much um, and we will introduce ourselves to tonight's guest which is the editor the current editor of phantom m and also team phantom m uh so that's with egmont and then also the editor who actually creates and directs the stories so um we'll learn a little bit about uh this person and the whole the different roles and what they do and everything and we'll have a lot of questions and i'm sure some hot button topics like Phantom Met, Norway, Sandal Singh, uh, Luaga, uh, the 22nd Phantom Saga, and a few other things like that will um, be addressed tonight. And hopefully we might even get a little tidbit and a little sneak peek into uh, behind the curtain of all of this. So uh, sit back, enjoy, and let's get stuck into it. Uh, so tonight we have Mikkel Sol. Uh, welcome, Mikkel. Thank you. Now, before we go, um, uh, the, the, we, the Phantom Podcast, are quite famous for butchering um, <laughs> names. We. <laughs> That's the um, royal we. <laughs> could you just, for the record, uh, and we'll probably continue to butcher it, so ahead of time, I am sorry, uh, could you let, I guess, us and the listeners know the official or the proper pronunciation of your first and last name? Yeah, so I, 
seldom say my name, but I, I say Mikael Sol. Mikael Sol. And um, yeah. we should, for people who, uh, for those who came in late, Mikael, um, wh- what is it that you do? What, what's your role in the world of the Phantom? Uh, so, like, my official title is uh, Project Leader for the Phantom at Egmont uh, Publishing in Sweden. Uh, but I'm also the editor of the, of, uh, the Swedish Phantomen uh, comics, or Team Phantomen, as we say. So, now there's... T- from what I understand, there's two roles. Is, is, that, is that correct? Yeah. So the project leader part is more like uh, administration, uh, keeping up with invoices and that kind of like stuff. And the editorial part is, uh, you know, hands on with the, with the scripts and the artwork and so on. So you have the boring stuff and the fun stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to say, what's the boring stuff? But, uh, no. <laughs> well, it's, it's all the accounting stuff. Sorry <laughs> to do an accountant. Yeah, it's true. It's boring. <laughs> but it's so that's, that's making yes. sure that you're with budget, um, yeah. that you pay the artists and the creators, um, yeah. that they don't try and slip in extra pages to get charged, so to get paid extra and stuff like that. Yeah, and also, you know stuff that has to do with printing and stuff like that we have a separate company that work with with the print plans but yeah i have to check all of those but that's kind of like an what an editor usually do also yeah like usually at egmont we for a couple of years maybe 10 years we've been working with freelance editors so there's a project leader that like manage the editor and the editor manage the freelancers that that, that freelance is working with, but in, in some cases like uh, Phantom and the Phantom, and we need to have a editor in house because of the the licensee wants it to be that way. So King Features and Bulls Press wants us to have a editor in house. Okay. okay. So cool. Jermaine is going to take you all the way back, and we're going to find out a lot about um, about you and your yeah. history with the Phantom. I'm sure, but um, I, I, I'm just really interested at the moment in talking about the practicalities of Egmont is starting to hear a little bit about I guess what your, your actual day-to-day is how, how many people do, would you work with closely in your office or who's involved at that top level of Egmont uh, with particular regard to the fandom of course yeah so with the phantom it's it's me and then I have a manager and he's he's like the marketing manager so he works a lot with like uh, how many issues should we send out to to the shops or to stores because we to, to the retailers and like manage costs on that level uh, and um, a lot of like contact with uh, Bulls Press who is who we have the license through uh, yeah. working features and um, I don't really know much more what he does <laughs> like. <laughs> Except, you know, he's my boss also. So yeah. <laughs> uh, his, his name is Ulf uh, Nilsson. And uh, and then we have our art uh, director also, uh, Matthias Matson, who has been recently working with uh, a redesign of uh, the editorial pages and the covers, yeah. uh, updating the logos and, and so on. And yeah, we did. So, a, so, we had a... Um, uh, I, I don't know what you call them, a correspondence or a, a, a friend, um, do a little uh, review of the logo throughout the um, almost 70 years of, yeah. of the Phantom End magazine 
and uh, that was quite interesting seeing the subtle differences in the logo. Yeah, we're trying to like modernize it at the same time as going back to how it looked back in the 80s or something mm -hmm. like that. So you get more of like a classic and clean feel. Mm -hmm. So we're yeah. looking a lot. Like I, I just took out a lot of uh, Phantom comic books since the 50s and just went through like every 10 years. Uh, so that's that's what he has been working with. But other than that, it's usually just me at Egmont who works with Phantom, uh, and then we have freelancers like we have a there's a company called Reprostugan, and does the coloring and the lettering and some edits with this, with like the artwork and so on if mm -hmm. it needs to be done. And I I do a lot of edits also with the artwork. Um, and then we have. Uh, I mean, all the guys, all the writers and the artists are freelance, and all the translators are freelance. We, we we write all the scripts in English, so we need to translate our Swedish scripts to Swedish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because the artists are, of course, from other countries. Oh. You know. Yeah. So do you use do you use English when you give it to the when you give it to the artist? So obviously, if you give it to someone like a Alex Savak or, or whatever it's in English, but what about like um, the different artists around the world? Do you give it to them in their native language or do you give it to them in, uh, in English? No, we always give it in English, but um, and then they usually have like a friend or something that translates it mm. for okay. them because so of some not, of, some of yeah. them are they don't really understand English that well. So mm. yeah. yeah. Like I think uh, Cesar Spadera is um, Spanish. Um, and then there's some others and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's from South South America or something. Yeah, um, Spanish speaking. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it might be Argentina, but I can't remember the yes. exact country. If only we have a Wikipedia for this. <laughs> Do you? Um, I, I assume that you were all about to jump on Phantom Wiki. And look it up, but uh, Miguel, is that is the Phantom Wiki something that you refer to regularly, or is that? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I use it often. Like Cesar Spadar, he is from Argentina, but uh, 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 no, because especially when we've been reprinting comics, or if we were if we we're going to make a collection of comics in a new book, then that's super important and see like when was this last printed or. So yeah. it's not too close to like, this year or next year. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, when you have to like check for references, like how, how does the police in Bengali look like mm. or stuff like that? Or, you know, mm. okay, this, this story takes place in, uh, in Carpathia, you know, this fictional country. What are the other stores have we done there? So it doesn't mm. like uh, yeah. cross paths too much. I've, that's funny you mentioned Carpathia. I've just uh, been talking with a creator, it's probably, uh, who actually had a couple of questions about that country and was wanting to know whether it was a republic or not. So it's a. Uh, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So. I don't think it's mentioned. Uh, it is mentioned in yeah. one of the stories that uh, Team Phantom Man did. I had to dig out a few. Um, And uh, I found it that it was uh, it was it, it is well it was then a republic after that story because it was a past mm -hmm. phantom. But in nowadays, with wherever it's located in Eastern Europe somewhere, 
you know what the climate's over there. Might, the country might not even exist uh, anymore. Yeah. So, so but no, I, I I used to wiki a lot, uh, and also you know because through um, they publish our stories, so every year I have to check what stories they used in the former year, so we can invoice them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you check that through, you check that through Phantom Wiki. But they, they give me a list also. They give me a list, but I have to check just that it's correct. So yeah, right. So. <laughs> and, and do you, uh, do you contribute to the Phantom Wiki at all? I mean, um, or, or is it more of a, a, a resource for you? No, I tried. To, I, I, I may have done it once, you know, but I don't want to mess up the articles. So I <laughs> kind of like stay away from it. But yeah, I would like to do it more. But but of course, it's like uh, Phantomen is my job. Mm. And should I be working with it on my free time or should I be working on the Wiki? Yeah. On, on like office hours, but... Uh, but I have to make all my comic books at the same time. So it's you know, if I if I find something that's not correct, then I I'll change it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So what we might do is we might go back a yeah. little bit. We kind of uh, got a little bit excited. Um, Mikkel, <laughs> can you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, just you don't have to, uh, the the age range that you are, uh, where you were raised. Uh, do you, do you have like a degree in comics or graphic design? Is that or, a thing? <laughs> did you read comics be. as a child? Yeah. Uh, did you read the Phantom? Just tell us a little bit about yourself, and and then we might go from there. Okay, so I was born somewhere around 1981 in February, <laughs> and uh, maybe the 11th, and. Uh, <laughs> In no, Sweden, <laughs> Sweden, <laughs> Europe, uh, and it um, is it is on Phantom Wiki. So. Yeah, it's on the Wiki. <laughs> uh, but uh, in in Stockholm or a suburb to Stockholm, and uh, I started reading comics like before I could read, because I have an older sister and I have like cousins and stuff. Like my dad, he collected Asterix comics, uh, and he loved the James Bond comics also. So there was always comics around. Like Donald Duck is really popular in Sweden, and so, of course, we have those at home, and Bam said that's uh, about a very powerful bear that's a uh, Swedish comic book, uh, popular with kids, and uh, so I was just, like, I really, I was attracted to comic book art early on, and I loved to draw myself. It kind of, like, also, we got cable TV when I, when I was pretty young, uh, uh, so we had the Sky Channel and all those British channels that used to show He-Man and uh, Transformers and all of those stuff. And I, I tried to always um, draw uh, the characters from the TV shows, but, you know, they, they went by so fast. And then I discovered that there were comic books also with Transformers and He-Man and Masters of the Universe and so on. So I had to get those because it was easier to, like, draw from them. Mm. Uh, so that was kind of like how I got into comics pretty early. Uh, yeah, but regarding the Phantom, of course, it was in the beginning of the 80s. It was super popular in Sweden. Yeah. Uh, but it was in black and white. And uh, to me, it just looked boring and real complicated also. Like, I felt that you need to know a lot about this stuff mm. to, like, appreciate it. So I was kind of scared of the okay. Phantom. And I was more also, he, because he didn't have any real super powers, I really loved Superman when I was a kid. I wanted to be Superman. 
fly around and you know uh, have X-ray vision and look at people naked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Phantom doesn't have that. Uh, but my best friend, who I've known since I was two years old, he was a big Phantom fan. So he he had a subscription and he was like he knew everything about the Phantom. So I usually like I read his comic books. And like my cousins, or when you're at your like summer place, there's always like old comic books laying around. Yeah. So I basically read all the comics I could find, except for like sport comics. Hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so did, uh, yeah, degrees sorry. and stuff. Uh, I I went to art school after high school, and then I went to uh, uh, college. I went to uh, advertisement and graphic design. So I have a master's degree. No, I have a bachelor degree. Sorry, uh, in graphic design and advertising. Okay. But at the same time, like in back in the year 2000, I got broadband at home, so I started making web comics. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I, I was one, been growing. One, one second, Mikael. Yeah. Sorry. Did you just say that you got broadband in Sweden in the year 2000? I got it at my house. People had it before in the 90s. Goodness me, when did you get it, Jermaine? Uh, broadband? Yeah. Um, it wasn't, yeah. Like a week uh, last Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I, was at, when I was at uni, so that was early 2000s, I was still on dial-up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I so we've some... only had broadband in the last four years. Yeah, yeah but okay, so we pay a lot of taxes in this country. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like state-funded. Right. Uh, so no, but we have a pretty large uh, IT sector. Uh, yeah. anyway, no, sorry, so, I interrupted. Sorry. Anyway, you were you were oh, using that, it to make web web comics. Yeah, and um, and then I started make like a comic book with. I I invited other people that I knew draw comics to to like participate in that. So I started pretty early with webcomics, and, and back in the year 2000, I was like, in five years, this is going to be my living webcomics. Yeah. I'm going to make like microtransactions. People are going to pay like a dollar or something for each issue, but I'm, a million people is going to read it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was super stoked. I'm going to be so rich, but it didn't really happen that way. I mean, it's still pretty slow on the digital side for comics. Mm. Uh, I guess. Do you like, think that area is growing though? Digital comics. It is. It is growing in Sweden at least because we have like apps for it now that are more general for all all sorts of magazines so like older people are reading like the uh, like uh, those kind of uh, magazines that, that are for like home wives and stuff and yeah so like is there stuff. room for the phantom you reckon I think so because I mean like my kids' grandparents, they all have iPads, and they're like on those iPads all the time. Hmm. And uh, the age group for Phantom is pretty old right now, like from 50 and up. So I think a lot of them are have iPads, and, because hmm. I think iPad is the best way, or or similar like um, pads hmm. are, are great for for reading comics. I read a lot of like comicsology comics on on my iPad, so. Hmm. Interesting, but it's, it's growing. We, we've seen like uh, on on the comic books that we've been testing out, it's it's going fairly well. So yeah. I, I think it's a push we have to make. 
regardless. But right now it's yeah, the, it's the printed comics that that we make our money on. Even now, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, it's hard because um, like sales are always going down on on magazines, uh, so we are like competing at the. In Sweden, uh, comic books and other kinds of magazines are sold at you know grocery stores and supermarkets, that kind of places. And so we're competing with you know candy and and yeah. hot dogs and stuff that that yeah. the, that the store might earn more money on. Mm. So so that's like that's the biggest problem right now, I guess. Interesting. Um. So now I've noticed. On your Phantom Wiki page, uh, you've got your own entry. Uh, you've done some uh, non-Phantom work, which included layouts for Larson and some other comics from 2008 and 2014. Dan, did you want to have a go at trying to pronounce those <laughs> you, you've titles? Done, you've dodged oh, that yeah. really, really well. I, I'm not even going to... Um there's too many vowel, uh, too many consonants and not enough vowels, or the other way around. <laughs> I think it's a fair amount of consonants. Yes. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I started working like professional with comics, um, maybe in 2008, for another publisher, a smaller independent publisher called Cartago Forlag. Uh, more, they're more like you know, fantagraphics, drawn a quarter really. And uh, they were owned by a bigger media group, a Norwegian media group called Shipstead, that owns like TV channels and uh, large newspapers. And so Larson is uh, the far side by Gary Larson. Oh, uh, uh, okay, yeah. The cartoons. So I was working with those, and I started also working as an editor for uh, another called comics called Arnanka, and that's like a dark version of Donald Duck. It's not like, it's not a Disney license. It's more about a a young struggling. He used to be young. He's not anymore, but struggling duck in Stockholm that drinks too much and, you know, have sex with people. You know, (laughs) those kind of as as ducks too, as ducks do. (laughs) So it's, it's an interesting journey that, um, because it sounds like you started out very much as an artist and, and heading down that, path and now you've yeah. found yourself as an editor i know you said you do still do some um editing of the art for fun tourman but um yeah how, how is that um that journey gone for you i suppose well so i i mean I'm, I'm it's like i'm both an artist and an editor i was involved in like the school paper already in like junior high school and in high school so i always lo- like loved being an editor hmm. And working with magazines that are in that kind of way. I, I worked with uh, uh, like health and TV games magazines also, but more like a, a graphic designer. Um, but I mean, it would be great to work as an artist full time also, but it's not really possible in Sweden right now because mm. we're not that many people here. Um, I forgot the question. Oh, just 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 how you ended up as an editor when you um oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. started as well, an you know. Series. Okay, so there's this thing called rent, and I had to pay <laughs> it. And, we had uh, that here so, too. <laughs> yeah, so the artist artist uh, thing didn't really lift. I I made a uh, my first comic book, like a graphic novel, uh, called Till Alla Jag Gat Med, 
to everyone I slept with. Uh, <laughs> a biographic story, kind of like, uh, you know, the comic book called Hate by, what's it called? Anyways, um, so I did that. And, and at the same time, I started working. Like, I worked at a comic book shop also on weekends just, you know, to get enough to pay my bills. Um, and then I saw an uh, advertisement on Facebook that they were they were looking for an editor or a project leader at Egmont in Malmö. But at the time I was living in Stockholm, and it's just it's uh, like 600 kilometer kilometers away. Uh, so it's like the other part of of Sweden. Mm. But I, I I applied for that job and and they wanted me to, so I moved to Malmö. So was that and when you say project leader at Egmont, was that straight into the Phantom job? No, they tricked me into that one. Um, <laughs> it was more like it was more just only project uh, management, uh, like invoices and stuff, and sending files and getting files approved. I worked a lot with Spider-Man comics and Marvel comics back then, uh, and like what Lego. Year was that? Uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. That's when I started in March, so it's eight years now. Mm. Um, and then how I got into the Phantom. I mean, Ulf Granberg. I was actually working with the Phantom from the beginning. I was approving the print files uh, at the printer's uh, uh, web page, so that was kind of like how I started with the Phantom, oh. uh, and like uploading the advertisement pages. But I don't think Ulf Granberg knew about me because he was in Stockholm at the office there and I was in Malmö. So I think I messed up one time or something. It was the wrong ad page or something. <laughs> so, that, that's a very quick way to bring your um, name up in a meeting. <laughs> yeah, then he knew about me all of a sudden. So that was a good start. What was Ulf like to work for? Yeah, so he's probably going to listen to this. Uh, I never really worked for Ulf. It was more like, well, he was my mentor for uh, maybe six months. So, but it was, uh, they were going to shut down our Stockholm office. It was only him and another guy working there. So it was like a a high cost and both of them were like past retirement age, basically. Mm. So they wanted to like save money and shut that uh, branch down. So I came up there and like, hey, I'm the new guy. Mm. But this is how it went. My former boss says this is not how it went, but this is how I remember it. <laughs> my, my former boss, he was like, uh, he doesn't work for Egmont anymore. So, but anyway, um, we're going to Stockholm to to check out uh, the Stockholm office, and I was like, cool. You know, Ulf Granberg works there, and uh, yeah, that's really cool. I mean, he's a legend to me as you know, a yeah. fan of editing and, and being an editor. Uh, so, and I and we, and we had this incident with the the messed up advertisement page. Uh, so I was a bit scared, but anyways, it was cool to go up there. And he was like, we went off the train, uh, uh, or like the subway train, and then uh, we had a walk like 100 meters to, to the office. And my boss then says, so if this meeting goes well, you're going to get the Phantom. And I was like, 
Oh shit! You could have. We've been on a train for four hours. Couldn't get home a little earlier. So, so I get into the office, and Ulf is there. And I think maybe Repostugan was there also, or something. And maybe Hasselinda was there. Or I mess, I'm mixed this up with another meeting we had. Anyways, so <laughs> uh, and and Ulf knew about the plan. You know that I was the one that was supposed to take over. So he had like a lot of questions to me, and I. Was so he totally knew about it. he knew about that before you did. Yeah. <laughs> wow. He, he thought it because he thought I was from the south of Sweden where Malmo is, but I'm from Stockholm. So that was kind of like, okay, this guy guy is okay because he's from Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is how I remember it. He might remember it somewhere, somewhere, some other way. So that was kind of funny. But at the time, you know. And I hadn't read a lot of Phantom. As as I said, I to me it was a bit complicated when I was a kid, and also uh, like my memory of it was we started have it have it in color back in 1990, and the color the printing was really messy. So you like on your fingers you got like the the color the, the printing yeah. color on the, which was to me really strange because I had been reading Superman comics and Marvel comics. Swedish version of them, and the printing was fine, so I never understood what happened there. Um, so that was basically all I knew about the Phantom. I know I knew about his wife and his kids, and you know, the Mountain Wolf and the uh, and Hero and, and Guren and everything like that. So the basics I, I already knew. Mm. Yeah. It's just like common knowledge in Sweden, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So obviously the the job interview uh, went well. There wasn't any job interview actually. It was more <laughs> like this way we could do it. We already hired this guy. He needs to, he needs to like earn his living. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, or we already invested in him. There's no other one. <laughs> <laughs> so so I never did applied. you then have to read a lot of comics? Or yeah, well, I Jump mean, on at the same time, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about the Phantom Week in the beginning. I don't know how I got into that, but. Um, I mean, there's so many issues. I think we were printing issue number 1,500 that summer or something. So I was like, am I going to read 1,500 comic books? That's mm. impossible. Mm. It's going to take know. me. I could do that. Yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, I was still working with uh, like the Spider-Man comics and uh, Lego yeah. magazines, you know. So... No, but luckily, I mean, Ulf, he didn't really want to leave the whole comic book to me straight away. So so we had like this deal where Hans Lindahl and Klaus Rimetti were the editors for one or two years. I don't remember. Maybe three. Uh, is that for the Team Phantom Men? Yeah, they did. Yeah, so, so, they... so according to Wiki, which we're probably all on, of. Um, where was it? Uh, your first editor of the Phantom Man comic was issue 1011 in 2012. Yeah. And then it was in 2015 that you took over editor of the team Phantom Man, which was, the, which is the production of the stories. Yeah. But we always, always start like a year before. That's why it's mixed up. Yeah. In my head. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. yeah. So at at the beginning, there, we still had some stories left from Ulf Granberg that he had been editing. So it was like a transition in the yeah. beginning. And then uh, uh, Hans and Klaus 
took over, which became kind of a problem because uh, Hans, he was he's one of the most popular artists mm. of the Phantom. And he didn't have time to to draw the comic anymore because he was doing all this editing. Mm. And same with Klaus as one of the most popular writers. And at the time, he was maybe the the oldest one we had still Mm. around. And he didn't have time either. So we had to find a lot of new artists or like Mm. old new artists and writers. Um, But I think they did a great job. I was very keen on starting to take over the team Phantom and production as well because I love making new comics and you know mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's sort of like magic how we go from an ID to the finished product. Mm. So so I was starting to uh, to to put in more like uh, supporting comics that were was original Swedish comics at the time just because I have some fun with it. So you were so you were involved for what four maybe five years before you became that that um, head of the team Fantulman. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was I was I was like the head of over over Hans and Klaus like because I was employed by yes. Sigmund. So but, but, but I in left terms of the direction of the story, yeah. you you'd been on the working on the comic for four or five years before you actually started yeah. being the head of direction for the yeah. story. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. that that sounds like a really good um, apprenticeship, basically, yeah. um, a really mm. good opportunity to turn to learn from those from those older guys who were doing it from, from the seventies. Yeah, yeah, sure. It was great because I had my half year with uh, Ulf Granberg. I went up to Stockholm two days every week, and but he was always, always so busy also with making the comic books. And mm. at the time, also the plan was more that Hans and Klaus was going to take over Team Phantom, so I didn't learn so much about that production part of it. But yeah. I was kind of snooping around, trying to figure it out, because I understood like the economic of it, mm. that we couldn't afford having like uh, three editors on this book yeah. in mm. a couple of years. So I, I understood that the shift was going to be necessary sooner or later. Mm. So would it, would it be fair to say that um, being the... The project manager, I think, was the the title of of the fandom. Does that take up more of your day to day business? And Team Phantom and editor is more, you know, once every I don't know week, month, three times a year, where you have the meetings and decide the direction. Or what's the what's the balance of a day to day or a week to week where you're working on one role or the other? It just like it's totally messed up and mixed up all the time. It's really hard to like define. That's but I think any like, project my, work. <laughs> I work. I officially, I think I work forty percent with the Phantom in total. Uh huh. And then I have like a, a lot of other comic books and books that I work with. Oh. Uh, I also work with a, a comic comic strip called Helge. That's about a moose in the the northern part of Sweden. That's that's the most popular. Uh, like daily strip in Sweden. Okay. So we produced that uh, because the the artist uh, he died a couple of years ago, and Egmont bought the the IP. Right. So that's like the hardest part of my work, getting to know that character right now. But uh, no, so so the, but the Phantom, it's like almost every day there's something about it. You know, mm. we get artwork from and sketches and scripts and everything, and there's always something with the Phantom every day. 
So do you receive emails out. from us? <laughs> yeah, emails, a lot of emails, and, and and keeping up with. I try to maintain the Facebook page we have for the comic book also, Phantomen. Yeah. Uh, and just like I, I usually get emails also of, of, about subscriptions and stuff like that 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 they just email to the wrong guy. So. <laughs> so you just uh, flip those on to um, the head of subscriptions, or yeah. Yeah. I uh, sorry you emailed the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like when you called the a company and, and they just like you're talking to the wrong yeah. guy, it's upsetting. <laughs> but anyway, Easy so but 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 how we how I plan my my life because during the the spring we produce a lot of books for the uh, fall where the big book fair in Sweden is it's in September. So right now it's super busy. So I have to plan like the whole year of the Phantom. Uh, in August, usually for the, the coming year. Oh wow! So uh, and uh, and I've been using Klaus Rimetti as head writer for the couple last years. So I meet him like once or twice a year. Mm. We have lunch. Yeah. We have a meeting. Discuss. You know, and it's usually like this. Okay, so I need I need four phantoms. That's like historical phantoms, and I need four with. The 21st Phantom. I need four with Mr. Uh, Walker, and I need four with uh, the 22nd Phantom, or something like that. And then he has to, has to come up, and I, and then I can say like, oh, and it needs to be epic. Mm. <laughs> you know, so that's like the basic mm-hmm. outlines. But the the 22nd Phantom stories we've been doing was kind of special because um, I, I recently saw an interview with Chris Claremont, you know, the X Men writer, and he was like editors. They really want to come up with the ideas themselves, and uh, <laughs> and so. But the, I, I would say that I came up with the idea for the Twenty Second Phantom, and then I gave it to Klaus, like do something. But it was more like I want something to. I want Heloise and Kit to be the Phantom in some way. Hmm. So yeah. just like we can go back in history with the the previous Phantoms, yeah. we can go to like not so distant future and see what what they would be up to. Hmm. Because yeah. I mean. We're not going to kill off the 21st Phantom any day, anytime soon. So. All right. I think, I th- well, we've just opened a door here, and oh, I think well, Jermaine wants to spring oh, yeah. through. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I <laughs> so, you, so you've said a couple of things. We're not going to kill off the 21st Phantom anytime soon. Yeah. So is that the magic word, not anytime soon, or is it more of a case of he's not being dead I, now? I, I I heard the first we'll, half we'll of that sentence at... where Mikhail said, we're not going to kill off the 21st Phantom. You kept listening. <laughs> I stopped there. <laughs> yeah, so there's like a red message on my screen right now that says that I can't comment on this. <laughs> uh, That's fair enough. That's no, but I think uh, Ulf Granberg said something good in your interview with him. It's like the 21st Phantom is the universe, and, and this is he is the IP. He's the license. So, I mean, it's not up to us. But with that said, mm. I mean, if, if it was like, okay, we're going to cancel the Phantom and comic book uh, in a couple of months, then I would probably, you know, the last issue, mm. who knows? So, oh, well, there's a few things there as well. So if if King Features um, said to Tony DePaul, right, we need you to write the story which kills off the 21st Phantom, would you then follow that? Would you, uh, how closely do you keep an eye on the newspaper strip and, and, work what they're doing into what you're doing um, and if there was a major plot 
any sort of major plot plot change, whether it was killing off Phantom or Garan or or any of the major characters, would would you follow that with Team Phantomen? Maybe not killing off the twenty first Phantom because I want to do it. Mm. But, um, <laughs> But, but, uh, but the others? <laughs> yeah, well, actually... Cause, so, I know that, like, Team Phantom in the history has been doing their own stuff, and mm-hmm. maybe sometimes because uh, Lee Falk or Tony or, uh, hadn't uh, thought about these things before, like, how did the 20th Phantom die, for example? That's a difference between, I think, the King Feature story and, mm-hmm. and the Team Phantom. Um, so, but I tried to... I mean, I, I like to use Tony DePaul's uh, characters that he comes up with, like Captain Laura, yeah, mm. Rick's uh, yeah. girlfriend. And um, so I treat, I try to follow, follow the King Feature stories. But in the past, I mean, they like the precedent stuff and all that kind of stuff. Mm. It's it gets it gets tricky when we have to publish these stories, and you know. Oh, yes. oh, who's the president in our version? And you know, so I've, that's what I've been like editing around a lot, and um, I think it's tricky because I want to 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 that the King Features Phantom and or the Phantom should should coexist in the same universe as our stories. Yeah. So I try to like yeah, lean into that. But then we have like our, our head writer clause that no, I want to do this story instead, you know. So it's, but I, he's he's been really good listening to my advice and like how I want how, how I want the comic book to be. So yeah. he's super great to work with. Mm, but in the past, thing. like you know, they they blew up the 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 well next yeah. to the Jungle Patrol's mm. camp or our head office. That was kind of like, why did you do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was well, yeah. It was in almost the, just because the, they could, wasn't in, it? Yeah. In the interview with Ulf, he's all... I don't know if he kind of meant it that way, but it kind of sounded like that was probably his one big regret was the big presidential shake-up. Yeah. And that was... But I mean, some, some, I guess some of their decisions, maybe it was based also that they had, like, uh, more money back then, so they could make all these new stores, mm, but yeah. now we're more dependent on also publishing the King Feature stores. Mm, yeah. Because they're part of our license, we don't pay any extra to publish them, so... Yeah, so to us, they're, they're like... Yeah. Really, yeah, so they are super important to us. Mm. Mm. So that was... So does that mean Lamanda Luaga, is he coming back as the president? Is that what you're going to ask Dan? Oh, oh, along those lines, Sorry. yeah. I was looking at uh, how Clay Sermanthi had, you know, was the the writer at the time. I'm not sure whether he was head writer back then when um, Labanga took over the presidency and and set in place this chain of events. But um, is that something that you think he'd be happy to revisit and write Luaga back in as the president? Or um, I mean, this this is it's probably the biggest gap in the universes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how can you how can you close that again? I guess is the question. No, so I talked to him like a month ago, and he's, I mean, he doesn't want to write that story. Mm. So that's all I can say. Mm. Maybe someone else will. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I know what's going to happen, but I can tell you. <laughs> Fair, you enough. Fair enough. Subscribe Fair enough. to the Phantom, and uh, you will know sooner or later. Absolutely, we encourage everybody to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll go back 
seeing that question, we're not going to get far. Uh, we'll go back to the 22nd Phantom. Um, can you confirm that, is this a what-if story or is it set in the future? So it is, I guess, official, but it's set in the future. I'm not sure if that's the right way of, of wording it. Because I've, yeah. I've heard some people say, oh, it's just a what-if story. But then I've heard other people say it's not a what-if story. So, like, we're, we're, like, you know, from the person who created the idea um, and envisioned the idea, like, where, where do you see it? Um, but both me and Klaus, we think it's um, uh, official canon. It's not a what-if. Yeah. They did a what-if story. Yes. Uh, like 10 years ago or something, 2007 maybe. Uh and, you know, in the end, well, maybe it just was like something that old man Moss was mm. dreaming about or something. And I, yeah. I, I really like the what if stories. I like when it's, you know, like, did you see that show Dallas or Dallas yes. where, you know, Bobby Ewing, he just, he came back from the shower or something or, or she was in the shower and he was just asleep the whole time. It was like a big thing in Sweden that he wasn't dead. Um, so I'm kind of traumatized by that from the <laughs> 80s. And I don't want to repeat that. But also, like, uh, I, I I was a big Spider-Man fan, and they had this clone saga in the 90s with, like, maybe Peter Parker isn't the real Spider-Man. There's this clone that's not a clone. Maybe Peter Parker is the clone. And I just thought that was messed up. So mm. I'm not a fan of what-if stories. But what if this get like, totally messed up with the timeline? Uh, because it's kind of tricky to do stuff in the future and then you mm. in the current time also <laughs> yeah. and the timeline doesn't match up then it's then it might become a what if story mm. <laughs> save my, so, save it. so you've got to be keeping half an eye on what tony de paul's doing in the in the news strip with the twins and how old they are and how yeah. far away this 22nd yeah. phantom story is i suppose yeah of course mm. interesting so it's in... weird that the twins are getting older i mean it's not weird but it's it's a problem, I think. Well, and it seems to have happened all of a sudden. They were eight for about mm. twenty years, and now all of a sudden yeah. they're sixteen. It's it's catching up quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting about the twins, which we've said on the podcast before, is for their first eight years they aged mm. with chronologically, you yeah. know, our, yeah, with our years. Oh yeah. And then um, the, yeah, then they stayed eight, twelve, or twenty years. Like they're older. Mm. I think they're older than even you, aren't they, Dan? Uh, no, the wedding was the year that I was born. The the twins okay. are probably um, 79, they are. The twins were born in 79, yeah. so that makes them uh, 40. They're turning 40 this year. We'll have to make sure we put up a post about that, Jim, on their birthday. Yeah. I heard somewhere that uh, uh, one year in a comic book is... No, seven uh, years in real life is like one year like in a, a comic book. Mm. Yeah, like a dog. <laughs> Maybe they mix that up with a dog. But... Uh, I know, but they have the same problem with uh, like most old comic books, mm. comic book heroes, you know, mm. like Batman or whatever. Of course, like I think that maybe Lee Fox should have killed off the Twenty First Phantom. Yeah, like, and uh, yeah, I've certainly years, years ago, so. I, I've certainly argued for that in the past. I mean, Lee Fox was the writer for nearly sixty years. If he'd overseen the Twenty First, Twenty Second, and say Twenty Third. Phantom, then we would have had some wheels in motion that um, everybody could work with a lot more sensibly, I think. Mm. But, uh, but it's, but it's wisdom. 
Yeah, but at the same time, it's you know, it's not only about the Phantom. It's you know, he has he has Guran and Diana and mm. Hero and Deva and all all of mm. those uh, secondary characters. So then you have to invite and uh, invent mm. a new characters like those that you know. Okay, are you going to have like the the third hero or mm. you know? And it takes like a while to flesh those secondary characters yeah. out, particularly, doesn't it? And to yeah. do that inside a generation. Is um, is hard. Yeah. So, how many parts of the twenty second Phantom are we going to see in twenty nineteen? I think we've seen two so far. Yeah. So in Sweden, we're going to see four. Awesome. Four issues. So two now and two later this year, and then probably two in twenty twenty. Yeah. Mm, okay. okay. Um, and are they all going to be done by Janice Auden, or are they going to be different artists? Um, the ones this year is by Janice. Janice. Okay. Cool. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just guessing that's his name, but he's he's Polish. <laughs> um, I love how when you interviewed Ulf, he said some of the artist's names, and I said, that's not how I would pronounce it. And you thought, <laughs> that's the way you pronounce it. Oh, there you go. So it's not just you and me, Jim, who have uh, disagreements <laughs> on how you pronounce people's names. <laughs> I'm sure Dan just chuckles every time I try and pronounce a name. Um, and then I'm sure when people listen to the podcast, they just go, oh, here we go again. Um, Thumping the steering wheel so, on the way to work. <laughs> yeah. How have you found the the reactions from fans with the Twenty Second Phantom? Have they mainly been positive? Has is it is it just the old farts that don't like it, or no? Actually, no one has said anything negative about it. Only awesome. positive, which is kind of strange because if we just like change the font size of something in the book, people get like insanely angry at us. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, no, I thought we were doing something kind of controversial, but I think a lot of our fans, they've just been waiting for it and wanting mm. to see them be the Phantom, mm. so it's, it's, to me it's fan service to do this. Mm. And it, yeah. probably, it probably is a good way of doing it, because I um, would be one who... Uh, I, I guess I'm on the. I guess I'm. I'm one of those people who are interested to see what the 22nd Phantom would look like, but not really want the 21st to die. So I think, in that sense, yeah. you're you're you're, you're walking that tightrope really, really well with yeah. the, the way that you've done we it. We didn't say that it's. We didn't say that it's dead. We don't know where it is what happens to him. Mm. He might be dead, but maybe not. Um, yeah, and also, I think it's an interesting aspect of the 22nd Phantom, and that is that. They are. We can tell another kind of phantom story because they are two people. So it's more like yeah. a team. Up. So that's something yeah. I want to explore more. Mm. Um, the team. Well, what I liked about it, and we did. I'm not sure if you've even listened to it, but we did a whole podcast reviewing the first three parts of the story. Um, and I think one of the things that we all agreed on. Uh, which doesn't happen very often, um, is that we enjoyed seeing the progression of both Kit and Heloise throughout the three parts of the story, is by the end they have almost become phantom-like, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they start up uh, 
quite far away from each other. Have yeah. been talking for years or something, mm. not liking each other anymore. So mm. that's all Klaus' idea. So that was great. Yeah. And, and will he continue to be the writer for the next? Um, well, the two because oh, I haven't seen the two that have already come out um, in Sweden. Um, but the the four this year and the the couple you mentioned for next year is he the writer for all of those? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's. So we also follow making... the theme through. Yeah, and just like you had a kid, Phantom, we have Phantom and Kids. Mm, I wanted to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... Well, when I started at the Phantom, I was like, oh, shit. So when I started, the the readers were, like, in their their 40s, and now they're in their 50s. Hmm. We have young readers also, but, like, that's the bulk of the the readers right now. It's probably full as well. Yeah, probably. So so I started to panic, you know. How, How are we going to... Oh, this is going to sound awful, but uh, how are we going to get kids to to start reading the Phantom? Because we it's it's we also have these supporting comics, and they can be very mature, in, yeah. uh, with a lot of like new nudity and violence, because they are from France, and in France they like that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically it's basically like Game of Thrones. The, the second part of the, the first part is like Phantom, and then it's like HBO, uh, okay. Thrones, <laughs> Game of Thrones kind of stuff going on, which is kind of like mixed up. But wow. we, we, we've been doing it for so many years. So like uh, we have this uh, comic called uh, Thorgal, yeah. and it's been going since the nineties. And I can't just stop publishing it. It's the second most popular comic in there, so it's kind of tricky. But anyways. Uh, so I wanted to make something separate because we, as I said, we have this Swedish comic called Bums about that very powerful bear, and they started making uh, comic books that are for even younger kids, and then then their regular comic book is. So I was kind of inspired about about by that and wanted to do something similar. So we did the Phantom and Kids, which are more aimed to like six to twelve year olds, maybe. Yeah. But so also at the time, I I was working with Spider-Man kids, but which was like the ultimate Spider-Man, basically. And I was like, I think I can do this better. I think I can do better kids comics than Marvel can, which <laughs> is pretty stupid to think. But um, so I wanted to prove myself also, and I knew this artist, uh, Jan Bielecki, uh, from from way back, and I knew that he was the one who could pull off the style I wanted it to be more yeah. cartoony. Mm-hmm. Pretty similar to the Kid Phantom, I guess. But I didn't know about the Kid Phantom back then, so I thought it was a good op- opportunity also to um, to reach out to both young boys and young girls to have Kid and Helis on adventures, training yeah. to become the Phantom. So it's currently just a what a short minute type story at the end, or, or it, it's they're not full twenty-two page stories of themselves for not, some kids, are they? I think. The first was like 24 pages, oh. but uh, we split up in, in three parts uh, to afford it. Okay. And then the second is maybe eight, and then the third I wrote, and it's 20 pages. And we're collecting all of these in one uh, oh. album. When okay. It's coming out in a month or something. Oh. Uh, in yeah, we do have that article online, Dan. Yeah. If you, if you look at there's a great website, Dan, called <laughs> com. Uh, we have talked about that. <laughs> Quite possibly I edited that article, Jim, but I was too busy looking for apostrophes and uh, capital letters to, to actually read it. <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway, so hopefully it goes well. I don't know. 
it's it's kind of like also I hope that kids will find this album by themselves and think that that, that looks cool. Yeah. You know, I want to pick up. That, yeah. I want to pick that up. And but also you know like grandparents and parents. Oh yeah, the Phantom. It's a great comic. Oh, they have it for like younger kids. I'm going to buy it for my kid. Mm. Yeah. Hopefully. Mm. I'm super. I'm super happy with how it all turned out. We have uh, Jan Hansegård who wrote the two first stories. He usually uh, write Donald Duck uh, comics. Okay. Right. So. Mm. So do you do? Would you like that to be coming? Um whether a separate, I, I know, a separate publication. publication, like a monthly or a yeah. bi-monthly or something uh, completely unto itself, like a separate title? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. And like have like articles in it uh, about um, like animals and stuff like that, like National Geographic for mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. Okay. Kind of, okay. So have you looked at the Fru's Kid Phantom? Yeah. I, I But I think I only read the first story, and then I have the book, the first collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the trade paperback. But I haven't yeah. read yeah, the trade paperback. So, But I haven't had time to, because I, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like competing with my Phantom and yeah. Kids <laughs> project, so it's not like I'm going to publish it in Sweden anytime soon, I guess. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Because mm, yeah. I mean, I guess we could split that out and do a regular comic book about that would be more affordable for us also. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, is, it is slightly different, isn't it? Because Phantom and Kids is Kit and Heloise yeah. as teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Or, no, they're, they're pre-teens. Pre-teens, okay. So, yeah. where, where, and Kid Phantom is probably um, the same age, pre, pre-teens, but yeah. is the 21st Phantom himself. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting that you've both targeted um, the same audience in with the same age character, but you've gone... Um, in in Sweden for the twins and in Australia we've gone not backwards I suppose but gone back to to look at the the origin of our current phantom. Yeah, but I mean I think Lee Falk and Wilson McCoy did some comics with him as a kid. Yes. Yeah. So to me that's how that's how he was. So I don't want to interfere, interfere with that. Yeah. Yeah. Where the gone. You know, there's there's gaps in that one story, so let's fill mm. those gaps. Yeah, out. yeah, sure. And I, I like that way how they've also been starting to doing their own stories mm. with yeah. a regular factor where they pick up from uh, like a Lee Falk story and mm. add to it. I think that's an interesting idea. Mm. I've been doing it myself but in my writing. I wrote uh, um, a story with the, the third Phantom and his wife uh, Pura. Yes. Uh, that takes place after their wedding. Uh, I guess the story is called The Third Phantom that Lee Falk and Cyber did. Which was the Diamond Cup of. Yeah. Uh, Alexandra. Alexandra yeah. was the one where. Um, yeah, and, and that's interesting because The Third Phantom is one of those phantoms that uh, Lee Falk has wrote about a couple of times and got him yeah. married twice. Yeah. Uh, once to Shakespeare's daughter. And then to Queen. I think it was uh, his niece. Niece, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which we just recently saw that story in a free comic, I believe, which was one from the oh crikey, the seventies or the eighties, which talks about how Rosmanda, how the niece um, died. Which kind of makes sense, you know. You've got the fan. You've got Lee Falk marrying. The same Phantom marrying two different girls, and so you guys, well, Team Phantom Man back then had 
one kill off and then, you know, which kind of matches how he can marry two girls. So it was cleverly done. Yeah, and I think I think Klaus wrote that story where she dies. Um, and uh, so in the third Phantom or the Diamond Cup of Alexander, it was it's mentioned in the end that uh, Pura and the third Phantom together. Uh, Raised their, raised the the fourth phantom, but it's never said that she was the mother of the fourth phantom. Okay. So that's like. So there's. Some so is that what you're concerned. exploring? Yeah. So so in in my story, uh, or in Lee Falk's story, they fall in love by taking this potion, this love potion, yeah. kind of like. So it's it's a bit shady how that went down, <laughs> and uh, so so. Pura, she's a bit like conscious about that and wondering if their love is true because she feels that he's still in uh, sorrow over his past wife, Rosamunda, that died. Like, is he? Does he love her as much as he loved her? Yeah. And she, she was also the mother of his child. So is is Pura as important to him as as she was? Mm. So that plays in a a bit, a bit in that story. So, oh, well. for, forgive my ignorance. You may um, this is probably a very obvious answer, but is this the first Phantom story that you've written, or have you have you? Because I talked before about you being an artist, and now you're talking about writing stories and editing. Like you're, um, you, you've got a finger in every pie. At the, um, yeah. But, but how, how many Phantom stories would you, have you written or contributed to with the writing? I'm a bit unsure. I've been writing like short stories for a, quite some time uh, under like another name, Alan Sonne. Uh-huh. And it was more like we had like a couple of pages over and it's really hard to fill out mm. two or three pages if you already have like an article for four pages and then you still can't like mix, mix, max, maximize the pages. Um, so I wrote like some short stories for for under that name okay and yeah. then uh, and then we started to have like uh, problems money problems we had to save money so we started to like publish a lot of reprints but uh i don't think our readers wants the reprints from the 80s and so on because as i said they are so old so they already have these mm, comic books yeah. and you can buy that at a flea market for like uh, nothing these mm. days because mm. the, there were so many out there. So I started writing some just to like save money uh, okay. to give the arts more work also. So, so no, but I've been writing, I think this year or last year we published maybe, we published four stories that I wrote oh. and I also wrote the, the third uh, Kit and Heloise Phantom and story, uh, Phantom and Kids. So the first one is more, it was based it's called. Um, oh, I don't remember. It's but uh, the bit, first I think it's one. It's a desert, isn't it? The first one. Yeah. Yeah, the man in the desert. Which... It's based on like. It's based on a story I wrote in junior or in high school when I was like eighteen or something. <laughs> okay. Uh, because I heard that, or no, because when I was that age, uh, the, the the that movie, The Fifth Element, was out. By Luc yes. Besson. And Luc Besson, he wrote this, the screenplay when he was 16. So I was like, I'm going to write the story now, and one day it's going to become a movie. So, <laughs> but back then, that story was like a science fiction story about this lone guy, kind of like Clint Eastwood in space story. And now I had to suddenly, I was like, I have to write some stories to save some money. 
okay, but I have that old story. So I just like took the phantom in to it and mm. mixed it up. Yeah. At the beginning, I was going to make like a short story with uh, Guran as the hero, and he had that role, but uh, then we needed this story. So that yeah. was kind of cool. So I believe that story is coming up soon in a free comic in the next couple of months. Yeah. I believe that's the case. It's like a year delay or something usually. Yeah. But I also, uh, another reason was that Hans Lindahl, he told me like, you have to write some stories yourself just to, it's, it, it's going to make it easier for you to be an editor because you get yeah. another understanding of, of, of the work. So. And, and is oh. that, but is, I, has that been true? Yeah, it has been true. I also know now why, like, enough Lee Fox story, there's like, first there's this little snake coming out and attacking the phantom, and then there's a lion coming, and then there's a tribe of evil, like cannibals, you know, you have to, like, find stuff to keep it interesting, because you can't, like, show off the main villain yeah. in the beginning, you know, because mm-hmm. then the phantom will, the phantom will defeat him, so, so, yeah. And that's why there's a snake in the first story in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> the build. Yeah. So no, but but before I used to, I mean, I wrote all my own comic books or comic scripts. Uh, so, mm. but those were like autobiographical stuff and, uh, you know, slice of life stories. Mm. But I've always been a superhero fan, so. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. Oh, cool. So with those, well, because you said that you also wrote under the um, under a pen name, uh, that were the world of the Phantom stories. Is yeah. that correct? I mean, yeah. there's about I mean, there's what a dozen or of those stories, I believe. I have to and check the, the because I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> the wiki says thirteen, so we'll go a baker's dozen. Okay, baker's dozen. Um, yeah. Yeah, so actually, no, there's actually 17. Um, Mikkel wrote 13 of them, and then there's some others that wrote them. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so they haven't been published by Free yet. Um, now, were they kind of like a precursor to um, the Phantom Men kids in the sense that they were kind of like a little bit more cartoony, a little bit more aimed towards kids? No, I mean, yeah, in a way, sure. Like the first one was about Heloise, actually. Mm. It's uh, more like the idea from DuckTales. You know, okay. DuckTales, the story, the, the TV show from the 80s, mm. and they're, yeah. they're reboot now with uh, Uncle Scrooge and um, what are the kids called in English? Huey, Dewey, Huey and Louie. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and I was so amazed when as a kid that uh, Donald Duck he was never in the show he was like in the first episode or something briefly mm-hmm. he went off on a ship and I like that concept of like so like the the premise for the Phantom World is that the Phantom shouldn't be in the story so like mm-hmm. right around it in different ways he's kinda in some stories I think in one of the that I haven't written he is in in it but um so that's kind and, and you no. Know, as a new editor, also, I wanted to like get to know the Phantom a bit more, also, and and the universe. Mm. It was part of that. Because so I know I'm, there's some. I think there's one where um, Heloise Horror of the Underground Clubs is where yeah. the Phantom's um, friend is getting um, harassed or 
or hassled at a, at a club and she beats the guy up. And then I think there's one where Diana's, I think it might be stolen cargo, where Diana's creeping on a boat and trying to find something and then the ship blows up or something like that. Yeah, something like that. It was fun. We, we, I, that story, I looked a lot at uh, old, like Wilson McCoy, bad guys and stuff, you know, on boats. With, they have this little hat on and the striped shirt and everything, mm. you know. <laughs> so we looked a lot at that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, I would say that more inspired by, like, the folk stories with those short ones. Yeah, I really enjoyed them. I've, I've uh, drawn some of the later ones and then that in the same style as oh, like, Ray yeah. Moore or Wilson McCoy because it's easier for me to draw like that. I, I come up with a story first and then I just try to find like images from previous comics that kind of like looks like that and so I pick up like the feeling and uh, draw and, and you know change the characters and everything but yeah. because I'm not, I'm not like a realist yeah, artist. I'm more cartoony. Yeah. So this, this, and then you've done a homage to Ray Moore as one of your story of those stories. Yeah. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first one I drew. I think. A funny thing it was that I, <laughs> it was like I drew it the night before we had to print the comic book because <laughs> I realized that I counted counted it wrong because we, since we work with freelancers, I just like send out the scripts and everything, and then I get. And the PDF files back a couple of days before printing. I'm like, oh, this is not right. Oh well. And so, so I did the PDF file, the printing file myself for that. And then it went off to the printer, and we didn't like proofread it or anything. It, it comes back to me, and I'm like, a homage to uh, uh, Cyberi. It said clearly at the top, and I was like, oh no, it's not Cyberi. Oh no. <laughs> That was really embarrassing. <laughs> so that's that's why I mean, and and this is the problem with comic books as an editor. You know, you get it back from the printer, and the first page you open, there's always something wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> so so when the fans write in um, to say, "Hey, Miguel, we we've spotted this error," um, you've already seen it. <laughs> yeah, and I have a guy that's been he's been reading the Phantom since '78. Uh, he he like uh, he comment on every issue. And he, he was like, you know what you did wrong, right? And I was like, there's a, there's a bunch of things, you know, you have to be specific here. <laughs> what do you mean? You only found one error. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you missed the other one. It's like, what? Uh, well, luckily, I mean, that's for, the, luckily for us in our jobs, if we if we make an error, it's not in print and, and stuck there for people to pour over and, and be able to point it out to you. They We, we can move on like, about the web. Yeah, that would be a great thing with digital comics in the future. If it's only digital, you can always like change it mm. later on. Mm. But is that's also a problem, I guess. Like you look at a lot of uh, video game producers now; they're like putting out these really expensive games, and it's broken like the first couple of months. Then they start bug fixing it. So yeah, you, you, uh, sometimes you need to be able to know when to put the brush down and walk away as well, uh, don't you? Yeah, and that's the good thing with like deadlines. You know, mm. okay, we have to print this now, mm. so. This is yeah. the best we did. Mm. Move on. There, there's another story next week or in two weeks. So. Yeah, that's right. So I got another question. Oh, well, I got heaps of questions, but another one. <laughs> um, I oh, I can't remember where you said it. It might have been on Facebook or it might have been in one of the um, uh, magazines that you released. But you said that you're going to be releasing more news stories from 2019 onwards, and then. 
previously uh, tonight or today, um, you said that you've you had to start writing your own stories to to uh, for budget restraints and all that. Uh-huh. So has you writing your own stories allowed you to create more new stories for the comic? Yeah, that's what's going on. So since I I, I write like three pages every now and then uh, yeah. in, on in working hours, like in office hours. So it takes quite some time to get a story done. But uh, yeah, so that's part of a way to like to make more stories. Yeah. But also, I, I mean, I also have some ideas sometimes that uh, it would be cool to make this particular story. So and I think I can write it. So. Yeah. Uh, and then you've been told by probably one of the most phantom influential people, Hans Lindell, that you got to create your own stories. So yeah. you don't really say no to people like that, do you? No, it was pretty good advice. But I mean, it's, it's the, the difficult part is to find the time to to write the yeah. stories. You know? Yeah. Okay, so I have like uh, two hours now between meetings, and uh, I'm gonna shut down my my emails, and I'm going mm. to write like a couple of pages, maybe, or maybe mm. one pages. Page. I think it takes me two two days to write a full script. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty fast in that kind of aspect, yeah. I guess. Mm. Now, but it's like get uh, thrown out over like a month or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's yeah. not. Yeah, Monday and Tuesday by any stretch. The, the fun part is doing the research also, like uh, like reading about like uh, like the Carpathia story I'm I've done right recently. Uh, that's being drawn right now by Janis Ordon. It's uh, inspired by uh, creepy, like the creepy comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you know Alex Tooth and, and those guys, so it's a spin on that. And like, because when we we're, when we make stories in Carpathia, it's usually about yeah. like monsters and vampires, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of stuff. So, so I, I I'm going to make a it's a spin on that also, but kind of like more like a modern Frankenstein story, I guess. Hmm. Uh, hopefully, or or almost like an episode of uh, the X Files. Hmm. So. So um so, being a writer now and 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 stepping so far into that world. Um, you, you, we, we know that you're the, the head of Team Fantulman, and and back in the day, like in the in the heady days of the '90s and that sort of thing, we heard about things like the Brains Trust, which was this core group of four or five, um, I guess, artists and and authors who came together once a year to decide the direction for the next couple of years and that sort of thing. Is that has that circle narrowed to just? Just yourself now? Is it a very small group of people? Who are the who are the actual brains trust in terms of the direction of where um, the Funtman goes in with Egmont? I would say that it's it's me and uh, Klaus Remetti mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to have like a head writer that writes yeah. the main part, and then we have like one-offs. Yeah, it's more like a, a, a like a Marvel and DC kind of works, I guess. Yeah, having right. a head writer that, but usually their head writers are like on a couple of years and then they change to another title, mm. but they have more titles to work on, so that's easy that's for them. Right. Um, yeah, but we're look. I'm looking into new writers uh, that are more in my age, also. Okay. Uh, I've been talking to some like really popular Swedish writers that write okay. more like youth fiction. 
or young adult fiction. So hopefully that pans out. Because so that, yeah, class wouldn't be getting any younger. No, he's talking about you know retirement and stuff like that, which like scares the the crap out of me. But <laughs> trying to keep him around, but because yeah, yeah, also he wants to write other stories. He wants to write like uh, uh, yeah, books and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've still got like there's still some other writers that you've got um, that have done stories. So there's like a. Uh, David Bishop, who we've just recently had on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and then there's... So, you know, there's still some other people that have... Do, do, are they still writing stories, or is it um, or is it more of a case of whenever you can fit him in? Uh, P- Philip Madden's another one. Um, yeah, it's more of a case when we... So right now we, we have stories for a year ahead or something like that. Yeah. And it... it, it it became like a to to go back to when Klaus and uh, Hasse or Hans were were the editors. Then we we were still making thirty two page comics, which is yeah. so so there was a lot of work around. You know, it takes a long time to to make those stores and you get paid more than for twenty two pages. And then we shifted to twenty two pages. So suddenly there was like a third less. Of, of the script and art and, yeah, yeah and at the same time or if it was just previously a year previous or something um, Klaus and Hans stopped as editors so so they were or not, Hans he wanted to stop to draw the Phantom either way but Klaus was back as a writer also so and they had taken in those new writers so suddenly we had too many writers and too many artists for the amount of work we had and uh but that was compensated for that I was going to have my first child and I was going to go on parental leave for eight months. So yeah. I had used two years in like a very short amount of time. Mm. And then Andreas Eriksson, he was going to like yeah, fill in for me. But I wanted to have everything like the ball rolling. So every, all the stories were, were being produced and like basically all the scripts were approved and everything. Yeah. Uh, so, so it was a high tempo and people had a lot of job to do. And then I come back. And, and, and during my parental leave, I only had like one phone call with Andreas. I didn't think about work at all. Hmm. And he just asked me, I think, he said, I think we need to make some more stories. Can I do some stories? And I said, yes, yeah, if you believe that that's the case, then do it. So when I came back, we had like six months of stories ahead of time. And we were already one year ahead, you know. Hmm. So yeah. then the workflow started to we got so far ahead that there wasn't any work around uh, anymore. Yeah, so right. People are oh oh I have to I have to like pay my rent and I need to have have a new story and I, there's no 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 stories around because I can't like pay for a year mm. a year mm. more right now. So that became a problem and it's still a problem to this day that we're so far ahead. But it's, it's also helped out a bit, you know, like yeah. like, like ter- terrible things can happen. Uh, uh, if we take like Paul Ryan, he died yeah. two weeks after the deadline for his first uh, that story he did uh, on the twenty second Phantom. Mm. Yeah, I mean stuff can and uh, and uh, I'm working with a lot of older guys and and they have had like health issues and whatever, you know, stuff can happen. Mm. So so being ahead is really crucial at the moment. Also, yeah. It's a, 
that's a hard balance. I think that's a really tough balance. Mm. So, with you made mention of the twenty-two page um, stories. Now, in a couple of podcasts with the comics and news, and with the, uh, when we review the latest stories, uh, a lot of the times, what us us boys discuss is. Sometimes we discuss, you know, like whether this story would be better with an extra one or two pages or, or whatever. Is is there, is there room for, like, for instance, if you get the script or if you get the story and you kind of go, you know, I reckon this story would be better split into two or with an extra two, three pages. Is there, is there that flexibility or is it twenty-two pages and that's it? No, we've done a lot of uh, two-part stories, so that's possible. Yeah. Like one of the first stories I edited was, is it called like 1944 or 43 or something? Yeah. You know, the Phantom and the Nazis and everything. Mm. That was a 32-page script, so we split it into two because we had to like... Uh, yeah, so there is that pages. flexibility. Yeah, sure. And, and now we've been going, we've started making 24 pages. Oh, okay. Because I realized that there we, we we start having this problem with like having two pages, le- uh, to to little to fill the the book with. That's why yeah. I did all this world of phantom comes, and I was like, okay, but maybe we just can, you know, make a longer story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Interesting. that's something. But I mean, in theory, we could make a a, a thirty-two page comics comic also, but then the artist really needs to. To keep that deadline because it's hard to yeah. to if it, if it's not on deadline then you have to take a, from another issue and then you take a 22 pages and then you have 10 pages that you don't know what you're going to do with yeah so that's you know it's a puzzle yeah and I'm sure every artist are there are there many artists that are always meet their deadlines or the majority of them a little bit, you know have to get their deadlines extended. Yeah, so, uh, no, I think most of them keep their, their deadlines. Uh, I think you can figure it out by us looking at who are the artists who who are making the most <laughs> stories. Yes. A lot of the answers the question without actually giving us Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to put anyone on the spot, you know, so. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. So, but, I mean, things okay. happen in life. They got other stuff to do, but it's... Uh, a good artist tells you that it's, it's not going to keep the deadline yeah, in, right. in advance so it doesn't come like because I usually forget about the deadline I have an Excel sheet and I just put in the deadline and I and then I look at it and oh my god where's the story yeah. <laughs> I haven't got any pages where, where, where's my story it's kind of month past deadline so they try to have some wiggle room of course but yeah. sometimes it's not possible so so, with like for instance, I, I'm terrible at keeping deadlines with my own scripts. I should be writing two <laughs> scripts now. I've done it. So, oh, well, we appreciate you talking to us instead. Yeah. <laughs> so, when you have to explain to the boss what happened, just um, you know, we can drop our names. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, with you being so far ahead, and you've got all of these stories. Um, lined up and and creating your own stories. Is there any um, is there any thought to perhaps bringing into Egmont some of the new stories that Fru or even Lightning Strike have been creating? Um, would you from for decades now Egmont has or Semic before them were were selling stories to Fru. 
Is there any chance that it's going to start going back the other way now that Free are creating their own? I think, like, yeah, sure. It's not, like, super important for us right now from an, uh, from a money situation. Like, I think it's the same when uh, Dolph Gromberg had all this money to make new stores. Mm. I'm going to make new stores as long as I can. And then start filling in with fruit yeah. comics hmm. when, when you know, because it's a decline in the sales, of course. So in a couple of years, maybe, you know, we have to uh, cooperate yeah. more, mm-hmm. publish each other's stories. So, but uh, it's not like, it's not a super, super important right now, except for maybe the stores are cool. So have there been some story, have there, has there been one or two stories that have really caught your attention? I'm like, I think I just recently got the the Christmas issue, so I'm behind on the stories. Oh, okay. But uh, I still believe that we are making the best Phantom comic in the world. So, but uh, but of course I'm like, even though I didn't write, I read the the Phantom as a kid. I grew up with like the Phantom being a Swedish uh, comic book and a Swedish hero. So just like I guess you. I think he's Australian, uh, so I'm a bit like uh, a bit biased. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, you, you, you're completely entitled to um, to th- to. Of course, yeah. if you don't think that, then you're probably doing the wrong thing. So, mm. yeah, I mean, it would be kind of okay. We're like the third best in the world right now. Yeah. Doing the fan- <laughs> yeah why? No. So, do you think Phantom Man still has a future in Sweden? Yeah, sure. I mean, after all these changes I made with um, the comic book used to be 68 pages. I went, we went down to 52, uh, still having 32 pages of Phantomen in them. And then we went down to 22, 24 pages. Now we're, we're having, we're seeing like pretty good profit on it. So, so I'm pretty, but if you would have asked me back in like 2012, I was like, it's only five years left of this comic book. And then it's, it's a decline yeah. because it was costing a lot of money back then. Yeah. So, but we, we made a lot of changes and we, we like cost management and stuff like that. So, so oh, that, that's that's encouraging here after what's happened yeah. with Phantom Met with the Norway yeah. magazine and yeah, Norway sure. magazine. So yeah, has... it was, I was a bit like annoyed by like some comments I got from readers. They were like, "Oh, in Norway, they're like." Uh, they're making this uh, double issues. It's only 13 issues per year and they're like thick, 100 pages or something. Like, why don't you do that? And it was like, I knew the, the situation for them, mm-hmm. that they, it's it was cheaper for them to do it that way. But it's when you start like uh, cutting down on the amount of issues, then you're in trouble. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but it's sad that it, that it that it didn't work out for them. But there's still hope. I mean, we're talking about uh, making more like books with with our comics, Team Phantom yeah. comics collected in them. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that how that how how it's going to work out. Mm. Yeah. So Dan, were you going to ask something about Norway? Oh, I, I, I guess just sort of probe how closely connected you are to um, to the Norwegian operations, like. You know, from over here, it can look like oh, it's just Egmont, but obviously, it's um, you know, there's lots of little umbrellas underneath that that big parachute company, sort of, so to speak. But uh, so, do you did you have close connections with um, 
the Phantom Ant in Norway, or are they is it a different department that you don't talk to, or what's the arrangement? It's yeah, so Egmont in Egmont Publishing in Norway is a different company, oh. but we have a lot of co-production. Like they, the editorial team for Donald Duck magazine, that's the biggest uh, comic book in Scandinavia and Finland. Uh, they're in based in Oslo. Okay. Yeah. the capital of Norway yes. and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, but the comics for, for Donald Duck uh, they are produced from an editorial staff, staff in uh, Copenhagen in Denmark mm-hmm. and in Denmark we have the head office for Egmont, the Egmont group that owns like a lot of companies mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the media anyways uh, so, so it's not the same company in Oslo but we have pretty close contacts I used to go there more often, and they came over, but I haven't haven't had the time really. Uh, But regarding the Phantomet in Norway, I planned all the issues for them, like on on which page. And then there was some they 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 like fine tuned it because it had to like we have to be finished with our stories before they translate them. Yeah. Hopefully, or sometimes it, because of the printing plans get, getting mixed up, the two two different companies uh, like planning on separate um, in separate places. Uh, so we had to. It was a hassle uh, trying to. Sometimes we had to make our comic before it was going to be published in in Sweden for because it was going to be published in Norway before. Mm. Uh, and sometimes that messed up. You know, one of my the Phantom World. The second one, I think, Dangerous Waters. In Norway, there were there weren't any dialogue in it because it hadn't been placed before. Oh. Like I, because I had proofread the, the the comic before because we were going to print it later. So so when I got the Norwegian edition, I was like, okay, I think it had to do with like the first one didn't have any dialogue, and that was it was supposed to be that way. Yeah. Uh, so so you could so it wasn't like the best way of producing, I guess. But it was kind of hard because uh, I was making this 52 and, and our double issues are 100 pages long and they were making 100 pages. Or in the beginning, I think they were making like 132 or something. So we had too little ma- material. So I had to fill in with uh, uh, Lee Falk stories. Wow, that does sound a lot of extra work. It was really, it was really. So, so, so from, uh, from my side, it, it it was a good thing that they stopped doing the comic because it was less work from my part, but it's sad still. Mm. Uh, yeah. But some of the readers, they've started subscribing to our version because mm-hmm. uh, Swedish and Norwegian is quite similar languages. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, I want to get to one of probably the biggest topics. Um, Are we going to finally mention the elephant in the room? Let's mention the elephant, or maybe the baby in the room, Sandal Singh. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. Now, uh, now we're aware, we both are aware that, you know, that there could be stories that are answering these questions that you cannot answer and stuff like that, but we will not be doing ourselves and our listeners justice if we do not ask you some questions about Sandal Singh. Now, she's quite a polarising character um i've recently talked to david bishop um and he said that he likes her as a character um so so i I guess the 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 big question is is did she have relationship with the phantom 
Yeah, so, I mean, that was before my time. So what do <laughs> I know? I mean, that's that's not my fault. That's Ulf Granberg's work, and I guess Klaus wrote that story. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like also, you know, right now with the Me Too movement and everything. Mm. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's kind of hard to work around that thing. So is that a yes, she had a relationship with the Phantom? Or in other words, did she rape the Phantom? Sounds so harsh when you say it like that. <laughs> I mean, he was robbed and everything. I wasn't there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 has, it has left you with a problem to solve, though, hasn't it? Yeah, and it got worse when she got the kid. Uh, and that was also, she was pregnant before I yeah. started working. Like yeah. I, I guess, like from as an editor and a writer, I just like to keep everything intact. More like I don't like to go off too much in yeah. in, in what Default did or what Tony the Pole does. And so, mm. but at the same time, I mean, we've been doing like over a thousand Team Fantomas stories or something like that. Yeah, there's a lot of stories out there. You you have to like mix it up every now and then. Mm. Mm. So, some drama, some like uh, I guess it's more like yeah. a Marvel comic in that way that it's uh, like yeah. a soap opera right now with what's going on there. Now I I'm think trying to avoid to answer this question actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, think it, I think it's safe to say that if the Phantom is the father of this child, that would be, in my opinion, I'm sure Dan would probably agree, a step too far, and it's probably the biggest break of uh, of I don't know the phantom even including Luaga losing his presence presidency would you agree with that Dan yeah I would in terms of um, stepping away from the basic premise of the character that Lee Fork established over so many years and that sort of thing it, um, it, it yeah it, it they, they have not been pleasant stories for me to read I've felt quite and I've been open on the podcast before about how little I have enjoyed those stories. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I probably didn't realise the time frame, uh, Mikhail, of you coming on after that wheel had been set in motion. And uh, um, I feel I feel pity for you that this is now a hole that you've got to try and dig the, the plot out of. Yeah, So, but I mean, it's an interesting challenge. Mm. Uh there's a lot of stuff that they were doing back in the 90s also. That's kind of like... They wanted to make this darker, the Phantom, I guess. Mm. But, uh, I mean, I guess I'm a bit of a fan of, like, the 80s Lee Folk stories where, you know, they're hanging out on the beach, surfing on some dolphins and stuff. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some bad guys in the jungle. Okay, let's, like, take care of them. Yeah. But Simpler uh, times. Most, and must be crazy. I like... I like Sandal Singh as a character, but I just and I liked how she's crossed between that good side and that bad side, and there's that complexity as she battles her father against the old crusty peg leg pirates. But I just I don't know me personally. I think the whole you know father, and we don't know whether that's true because you have not yeah. answered it and stuff, but. If that is the case, fathering the phantom, fathering that child, I think is a step too far. I think that uh, Sandal Singh, she believes, or she wants to believe that the kid is. Yeah. 
I can say this much. Uh, Klaus and I, uh, we're not uh, really, we have a disagreement on this topic. So we'll see. Mm. And if he's retiring, <laughs> well, we'll see. But, um, no, I think I've seen, I've seen a couple of solutions to this. Like, so we'll see what, how we're going to play okay, it. So, but it's going so to take if place. Klaus it's, retires it, soon. The yeah. man's not the father. <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, uh, <laughs> either way, it has to be like, uh, it's it's going to be a twenty second Phantom story that deals with that. Mm. Oh, okay. yeah. So, um, uh, what sort of time frame do you think you would put on? Um, be- because I, I'm trying to think. The last time uh, I, I know we're behind, having waiting for through to publish them in English in a way that I can read anyway. Um, uh-huh. The, so the, I'm trying to think the last where we left them Jermaine correct me if I'm wrong um, was that just when uh, Sandal's father went into cry, cryogenesis she's ta- I think Diogai has taken the baby Sandal has lost the presidency no but um, Diogai yeah. last time we saw it Diogai was just getting frozen and she said the the son is a phantom. So, um, the grandson, your grandson, is the phantom's child. I'm sure that was the last time we yeah, saw it. That pissed him off. It really yeah. did. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he froze a, a, an unhappy pirate. It's fair to say. <laughs> but in the, we, in, the new, popsicle. in the in the new twenty second phantom we've been doing this year, uh, the kid is a bit year, a couple of years older, so he's in the story. Oh. Like in the like in, more in the background, so. Okay. So so back to the question, I guess, about time frame. How long do you see this this plotline playing out for? Without giving away, obviously, um, what the plotline will look like. But how long do you think it will play out for? Is it something we're going to have solved by the end of 2019, 2020? 2025. No, I I I try not to think about it. I haven't thought about it at all, actually. Okay. I'm trying to I. Kind of like trying to slow down time, I guess, <laughs> in their aging process. So. Mm. Back to that seven years comic time. Being, yeah. 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 Mm, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Is um, there, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> is, is there anything else you can tell us around Sandal Singh and, um, uh, look, well, she's not the president. Is this the vacancy? Oh. Is this how Luaga comes back into the presidency with uh, Sandal? Oh, you're trying to trick me. You're trying to trick me now. <laughs> I'm, <answering this> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to, trying to get it straight myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, I was also like, I think we blew up the president's house. Yes. Yes, that's right. And then in the twenty-second Phantom, an earthquake has destroyed yeah. the palace. Yeah, the palace. So, and I remember when Klaus said that he was going to blow up the palace, I said, yeah, but you need to write a story where they rebuild it because it's probably going to be in the King Feature stories. <laughs> probably. And, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then we totally forgot, forgot about it. So, <laughs> we need to do, there's going to be a story about construction. <laughs> the, the remodeling of the, the palace. No, so, but, yeah, that's my answer, I guess. So for those, for I have found the last story that Sandal Singh has been a part of. That was, it was Lost at Sea Part 1 and yeah. Part 2. 
okay. we saw part two in issue 1814, and in Sweden and Norway it was Phantom Man or Phantom Man 5 2017. So it's been a uh, good a two years. years since we've seen Sandal Singh. And then part one was actually uh, down, I'm not sure if you remember, was in the Supernova issue last year, which was um, right. the, oh, what was it? Uh, the, yeah, no, um, the Femme Fatales. Femme Fatale one. So that's yeah. where we saw yeah, the that's, first. Yeah, sure. yeah, that's yeah so that's when we've last seen. And basically throughout the whole story, you know, uh, I think the second part, like the uh, the Phantom and Sandal Singh are trapped on the island and they're trying to get away. And then the whole time the Phantom's like, "Is this child mine?" And then Sandal Singh's yeah, like, "No, sure. it's not yours." And then she would change her mind and say, "Yes, it is yours. Don't <laughs> leave me." And and playing on the Phantom's emotions, I yeah. guess. I mean, she's she's an opportunist, of course. So she's going to do. To, to use this child as much as she, she can she can for yeah. her own purposes of course so mm. but I guess I think she loves her kid also I mean yeah. she's probably a, a terrific uh, terrific mother so so do you like her as a character do you think we're going to see I more like her. of her um, probably the same amount as we have been seeing her but I like her I've been thinking a lot about like uh, villains in stores and because there have been like a lot of critique against these superhero movies that yeah. the villains are, are weak and uninteresting. So in my writing, I noticed that the villain is all, almost always kind of like a loser type. He wants to be a James Bond kind of villain hmm. that, you know, have, have spaceships and stuff, but he, he doesn't have the means to it or she doesn't have the means to it. Uh, but they're still like on a smaller scale trying to control the people around them for their own purposes. Yeah. Uh, mm. And then uh, if you look back at, at a lot of Phantom or Phantom stories, there's the villains are pretty much the same or like kind of basic. They're mm. gangsters, or, you know. Yeah. You have evil corporation. That's that. You don't never really. You never really know why they want to like take over the world or something like that. It's just, they're, they're basically just evil. So I think that's interesting to have some more depth to it. Mm, uh, yeah. And using villains more like uh, supporting characters. We're working a lot with uh, Rasputin right now also. Yes. A, yeah. A main villain. So. Have we seen him before in Phantom End stories? Um... I think I asked, asked Klaus about this, but I'm a bit uns- I think he might have been around before. I'm not sure. I feel like it's, we have. I like, and I think we discussed this in our last comics and news, Jermaine. I, I feel like it's uh, he's a familiar. Well, obviously he's a familiar character in history, but I feel like uh-huh. I've seen him in Phantom stories before. Because he's um. Oh, hang. Because he was in that um. What was that story? Um, what was that one that we just just got in the free comic? Uh, uh, hell, it was, something. It was where basically you got King Arthur's throne, uh, sword. Um, yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, uh, sure. the, so dark, the, the dark chalice. The dark, yeah, the dark chalice. chalice. Yeah. Now we did. There is an old story called uh, Rus- Rusperton's Puzzle, 
which is a 1986 story. Is it the same dude, or is it a different dude? It would it would be the same one. Um, there's only one the rescue. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the historical uh, character that we're taking advantage of. Uh, I, I'm not sure if he would approve, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, from what I understand and, and have read about him, I don't think he gets much of a say in how he's been remembered. No. <laughs> he sounds like he was a pretty nasty sort of a character yeah, at the time. Right. <laughs> um, so so why why has he become uh, has come to the fore just recently? Just a uh, an idea that seems... Cool, and we've gone with it, or yeah, it's just I wanted like you know the Batman, he has the Joker and mm. the King, and Daredevil has the Kingpin and so on. So I just wanted to have a, and Klaus, he also wanted to have a more of a main villain that come that we could come back to a, a nemesis every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess Diego has been done to death, and he's cryer of act at the moment yeah. anyway. Yeah. So we needed to fill that. And also with Sandal Singh, you know, kind of being good, kind of being evil. So we wanted one more. Like, Just say. genuinely evil. Yeah. So that we mm. could play that way. Mm. Okay. So we're going to say more of him. Interesting. Yeah. Both like historical and, and present phantoms. Yeah. So does that make him a supernatural character or could it be open to that it's one guy after another or is that basically open for interpretation? I mean, it's the same guy, but maybe it's supernatural or maybe it's some like uh, science thing that keeps him alive. <laughs> yeah. A bit clear, I guess. Or it could be like the Phantom where it's like passed from generation to generation. No, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. Okay. So that, that kind of leads me towards, um, I guess, one of the criticisms that Australians have. And I, and I don't, uh, I, and I think this is just different cultures. Um, yeah. the, 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 the thing that I think some Australian readers struggle with, with the Scandinavian stories, is how much of a supernatural element there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, exactly what you're talking about now. Um, and certainly as an Australian reader myself, we, we don't have this. Uh, history of the supernatural and, um, you know, our, our history in terms of the Anglo history, I guess, only goes back a, a couple of hundred years, um, whereas Scandinavia's got a much richer um, recorded history. So um, to what extent um, do you consider global audiences when you're you're looking at creating stories? Do you only consider the Swedish audience? Do you think about um, through readers who, who are going to pick it up in Australia and, and English-speaking languages? or um, I, I don't know. Where, can, you, can I get you to comment around, around those ideas? Yeah, we only think about uh, the Scandinavian audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my... Egmont has... Uh, they employ me to do that. Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's like, you know... But, I mean, I think you should respect uh, the Australian or global audience also, of course. If I, if I go... Get, go back to like my first grip, the the like one of the last uh, lines of dialogue works much better uh, in English. The payoff is much better in English than yeah. in Swedish. Oh really? So uh, yeah, uh, so yeah. But also like I don't really. I, when we like a writer when he creates a story 
it's I don't think it's really healthy to think too much about the readers. Yeah. You gotta believe in the story. Yeah. Because then you then you're starting to to like get into more like technical mm. writing, you know, okay we have to have this and this and this. Of course mm. as an editor I have to think about stuff like that also, but you know, I'm I'm just thinking about like the new Star Wars movies. Like mm. this, uh, the Han Solo movie, and it felt like okay, we gotta we gotta show the people how he got his jacket and his gun, and you know, like mm. that kind of stories mm. themes, and they they just get like empty. Mm. And you spend all the time second guessing yourself and and yeah. not writing for the story, like you say. So yeah. a, a, am I am I in the ballpark? But I mean, with... but but also like we're like we don't make a lot of money of the through publication. I mean. Right, because we basically give all that money to the artists and writers. Yeah, okay. so it's not like we have to. We have to place our audience, the Swedish audience, in first place, of course. Yeah, completely. That's a really boring answer to 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 give you guys. No, 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 no. But, it's completely fair, but that's the reality. Yeah. Of it. Am I am I in the ballpark with the difference between cultures in the in that that you've got a, a much richer history, I guess, of recorded. Um, supernatural mythology and that sort of thing is that is that why Swedish stories have that I wonder element? If that's why I wonder if that's why you think about like Norse mythology yeah uh, I wouldn't say like I think uh, Swedish people are more atheist atheists than a lot of other countries hmm. I think only like 10% are Christian in Sweden um, so I mean we have a long history of not believing in not being religious, it's like, and also it's a, like a really private thing. You don't oh, talk course. about it. Yeah. Um, but with that said, one of Egmont's most popular uh, magazines right now is about like um, horoscopes and and angels and stuff. You know, like it's real. Uh, yeah. You can like healing and that kind of stuff. Mm. So. Mm, okay. No, that's a hard question. I can't really uh, compare, but but personally, I'm not really into the supernatural, phantom and comics. I don't even like the dinosaurs. Mm. I don't like yeah. Peggy. I think it's yeah. Better. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. No. I'm I can't like what, what's it called? His or like his and his. Yeah. I because. I actually now I remember I had like a Christmas album with them in, and I thought they were like super cool because they looked like something from a Marvel comics. Right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was just going to ask about the Golden Eagle story. Yeah, I, I was too. Just go to oh, no, oh, a completely talk about different the Golden Eagle. Yeah. yeah, that's a fun story. Now, uh, the Golden Eagle stories, to be fair. It's it's almost more known for the one or two pages. Well, it's known for the s- cover. It's known for the cover. It's known for the cover and the one or two pages inside, where and not the actual story. So, could you tell us a little bit about that? Was you know about the the design of the cover, the the, the press uh, that the cover received, that the comic received, and a little bit about the fallout and stuff of that. I can I can actually I have the cover on my I wonder if I can just turn around my computer around and have it on the wall here. Oh well. Is it there? Yeah. <laughs> this was tricky. Oh well. Oh, so yes. That's it. Yeah, so if it blown up as a poster. Yeah. So for listeners, that's that's about A2 size. You've got it up in front of you there. 
No, it's large. I think it's uh, 50 times 60 centimeters. Wow. So it must be something you're quite proud of then to have blown up to that size and have hang in your office. Yeah, and I can tell you why. Mm. Because before that issue, uh, whenever every time a, a journalist would call me or like interview me, they were always like, "So back in 1978, they made this. Uh, you made uh, there was this issue of the Phantom and he got married, and it sold a lot. And that's what I've been like answering mm. for us." such a long time and also like the most popular story i think it's about devil his origin story so and and also like the the uh oh i heard that the phantom isn't in black and white anymore it's in color (laughs) and it's been in color since 1990 when i was nine years old uh so nowadays i only get questions about this story that i made or I didn't make the story about the issue. I was an editor for that issue. Yeah. So I, I, I'm pretty proud of that So it's part. like your breakthrough. Your yeah. Yeah. And hopefully the Phantom, Phantom will live on so long so that there will be an editor after me and he gets the questions about <laughs> this story. <laughs> but so I was, who's, whose idea was it to create the story about... Because... In Australia, we haven't received this comic yet. Yeah, I don't know uh, if you publish it even. Well, I've, I've heard that we might get it. Yeah. It's, it I is a hot it, button top, topic. In yeah, Australia. yeah, it is. And I told the guys at Fru about like what happened to us after we published it so that they can be a bit prepared. So can you, but, tell, can you tell us that? What, what happened for you guys after? Particularly because of the... The image on the cover of the Phantom using a rainbow flag to uh-huh. to wail into some roughnecks. Um, I mean, we saw some YouTube clips for deriding it. Um, we, you know, there's a bit of bit of feedback back here, but it must have you, you're in the storm of the, the center of the storm there. Yeah, it was a it was a bit of a storm, but uh, so well, I can tell you how the idea came about. Uh, because it's kind of like it doesn't really have anything to do with uh, like gay people or anything. It was like Klaus Rimetti was like writing a lot of stories taking place in uh, in England or the UK, and I was like, and then I felt mad. He lives in Poland, so I was like, this is how I remember it. Uh, it would be cool if the Phantom had an adventure in Poland. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so it's not always in. I would like to make a, like a store in Australia also, but I don't know that much about your country. So if you're going to read it, you're going to be like, yeah, that's not how it is. So it's work, you know. But it, Philip, he lived in Poland, so I was like, yeah, sure. And then it was like, and we we had that store in 1943 where the previous Phantom was battling Nazis, and we also had the the Enigma machine or what it was called. Uh, Spadari drew it. I really love that story. It was I think it was great. So I was like, yeah, or if it was Philip's idea to have like this neo-Nazi fascist kind of guys in it, and 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 in it there was uh, like a parade. I guess it was LGBTQ people in the parade, or maybe it was just like a peace parade or something. And the Phantom he just like chases the crooks through this parade and beats up the crooks or something. And that was basically the story. 
And then I was like, yeah, but it would be cool if you took the flag and, and, and used it as a weapon against this uh, fascist kind of guy. It would be a, like a cool symbol mm. for like the multicolored uh, flag and the gray uniform on this mm. fascist people, narrow-minded person. And then, you know, and then I think uh, Alex, he was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh, some cool story. So he was drawing it, and he was he was really late because he was doing like the Spider-Man strip at the same time. So it was supposed to come out like six months earlier or something. Mm. And then I really liked that scene. I, I don't think I had seen the, the the artwork for it yet, but I was like, Henrik, you know, you know, like that old cover of Captain America during the second world war where he beats up hitler we would we should do something like that you know and use the flag he's going to beat up this villain on the on the cover and he was like yeah that's great and like in sweden it's not really like you know stores and companies they they compete but it's like very commercialized using the, the the rainbow flag in sweden so you know and at the time i think my kid was going to some like gender kind of like open preschool I don't remember anyway so that was basically how it came about but I I mean I'm not stupid I knew it was going to gain some traction in media yeah but not but it's kind of hard to calculate beforehand what's going to become viral yeah but then I did what well, a thing I didn't think about was like the good thing that I thought was cool that oh finally the Phantom is going to Poland that, that that's really cool was that you know there are actually Nazis in Poland and fascists mm. right now and they're <laughs> going to get pissed off mm. and they did they did get <laughs> off. and they, they hadn't read the comics of course there's no way that mm. they could because a journalist at one of our biggest newspaper evening press. Uh, after blood that he uh, he tweeted it out like because he was a subscriber so he got the story he got the he got the comic book before I got it mm. so it was out <laughs> the internet and like people had, didn't have a chance because it, I think he tweeted on a Tuesday and the book came out to stores on a Thursday <laughs> so suddenly like uh, my phone started to ring and there, the media was calling me and asking me about the story and I was like yeah and I told you basically the story I told you right now. But uh, yeah, but a good thing or a cool thing, uh, it sold really well. We mm. sold 30% more than we, which wow. is a lot, because usually we sell like 5% less than the previous issue. So that was like super, super cool. I so, wish I would have placed it in a double issue because they are out for a month. We would have sold <laughs> even more. But, yeah. So, so it was only out in stores for two weeks. And after that, it like started to cost like, uh, 20 euros on the secondary market. Wow. Which is a lot of money. Yeah. It's a collector uh, item, I guess. I think I only have one copy left because I have to give away some of them to, like, higher officers at Egmont. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So, do you think that the um, the positives have outweighed the negative? I'm trying to read behind, between the lines there. It sounds like you got a bit of hate mail and and probably some stuff yeah, that was sure. a bit nasty to and read. I was, 
I was kind of expecting. I thought that like, okay, this might be a bigger problem. I didn't really think. I didn't think that the people in like Nazis in Poland would get to know about this story. But I guess all of these organizations are connected globally, like the Swedish Nazis and and so on. But um, so I, I wasn't super concerned about Philip, and he wanted to make the story that was important for him. Mm. And Alex is in the U.S., so I thought that he's fine. Henrik Salstrom did a cover I was more wor- worried about, so I was like, uh, but I told him this this might be a risk, you know, you might get some hate comments or something about it on the forum, but he wants to do it. So, but sure, yeah, I got some of that also. Uh, and now our face. Yeah, it was Henrik's image. Yeah, it was so it's a really powerful image. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but when we started to get spammed on, uh, on our Facebook page, and I think it was like a holiday at the moment, like May 1st or something, that's a holiday in Sweden. So I was like at a a friend's house at the time when when I was starting to receive a lot of this hate mail from, or spam trolls from, from like Poland on our Facebook page, and they were like, Publishing really disgusting, anti-gay, anti-Muslim, anti-Jewish, anti-Swedish, anti-women videos like really strange cartoons with like rape and stuff in it, really disgusting. And I didn't want our uh, members on the Facebook page to see that stuff. And you know, a lot of comments in Poland, Polish, and I think it was, it seemed like it was like one or two people that had it as a job to just. You know, you hear hear about like Russia, like being behind, yeah. and like I don't think Russia was behind this, but like it's organized clearly, like and, yeah, and people well. have, have 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 it as a job to troll uh, on the internet. So so that was kind of hard keeping up to because it, I was like it was my day off or something. You know? <laughs> I didn't have the computer with me, so it was kind of hard managing the page. Yeah. But I think I. I mean, and it's always like with negativity, it like it can really get to you. Yeah. But I would say that it was ninety nine point ninety nine percent positive. Like mm. in the media and the newspapers and everything, people were really positive, and like people who are in the LGBTQ community were super happy that like. Mm. And and to me, it was just like, oh yeah, this was an aspect also because we had uh, Kevin Patrick. And what's that other guy you had on the podcast? Yeah, he who had done the research, and so I've been thinking oh, a lot Robert, about Robert Aman. Uh, yeah, Robert. Yeah, Robert Aman. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about what Team Phantom did in the seventies. Um, yeah. Knutsson and Janne Lundström, and you know those kind of like political conscious stories. So I wanted to do something similar to that, but like modern day story. So it all like came to, to to uh, came together in that way. And also, I collect uh, uh, Lego toys, and the Lego company they're always talking about that they want a big bang each year for their marketing. So I wanted like a big bang story every year, and this was like a clearly a big bang. Big I felt. Bang. So and it, and it, I'm I'm firmly in the camp that I'd love to see Fru publish it, and I'd love to see whether it's Henrik's cover or or an Australian artist do their take of the same scene. Um, I would really love to see Fru do that. Would that be 
would that be your advice to Fru that they should have a crack at it and um, or I don't know are you once bitten twice shy what are your thoughts no I think they should publish it I mean it's still I mean it's strange like in the 90s I guess it's when this would not have been an issue even you know it was just yeah, of course we would it was like but something has changed in the last couple of years I guess and um, but one regret I have with the story is it should just have been taken place in Carpathia or something, not a real country. Yeah, right. Uh, yes. Uh, because it starts out in Carpathia, the first two, like three pages. It's, it's, it's in Carpathia in the beginning, and then it gets it goes to Poland. So that was a bit unnecessary. On, but at the same yeah. time, like back then we were making all this comic. These stores in in the UK and so on, and in France, so on. So, another country. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That that might have taken some heat out of it if there weren't um, Polish or Nazis who were taking it, it personally. Been, oh yeah, sure. But even, but maybe it would have been even more uh, because then like it could like apply to so many it, other everywhere. European countries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Oh yeah, I, I I think no matter what country they are in, you're going to get people getting upset over it yeah. and I mean but at the same time you know so nowadays there's this uh, talk about like social justice warriors and that kind of stuff and it's like to me it's like really confusing to because you see like Marvel getting a lot of that also like oh this superhero is a social justice warrior and you, yeah that's, <laughs> and that's what a hero does that's kind so of the point kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know and I mean to me, the Phantom would be on, on, on this side because in history he's also been against like Hitler mm. and the Nazis. So, mm. I mean, yeah. But it's always tricky to do like contemporary time political stuff. Like, I know they did a story before that took place in Somalia, I think, about uh, the pirates there. It's also like a cool take because, I mean, there's a history of like piracy, of course, in the, yeah. in the Phantom. But like, it's always a problem when when a, when a when a fictional character gets involved with real world problems because he yeah. can't really fix, you know, like why why doesn't Superman go and save uh, stop war real mm. wars, you know? He yeah. Can't because it's not real. Mm. So, so yeah. that's a bit of a problem. Mm. Mm. Well, th- I'm. Thank, thank you for sharing that story. I'm, that was that's really I've really enjoyed hearing about the the creation of the Golden Eagle and the your experiences with it. That's that's uh, yeah. thank you very much for sharing that. That's, that's awesome. And then it's like like stupid things that I've kind of like uh, recently discovered, like the uniform of the police. It says police in English on the back, and it's like, but they're in Poland. It probably should it be something in Polish. We did <laughs> yeah. research that. You know, stuff like that. Like, yeah. oh my God. Poliski. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, something like that. I, oh, yeah, anyways. Yeah. But, but and, and the thing that I think a lot of people, like, missed, when because they hadn't read the comics, that it's that, um, I mean, the heroes in this story is not only the Phantom, it's the, the Polish police officers also. Oh, okay. Because mm. in the end, it's more like a traditional Phantom story about this Golden Eagle thing that they have to... That the crooks wants and and the phantom 
saves the day at the end with, together with the police instead of like the jungle patrol. Yeah, and, right. Uh, and and also the like the the LGBTQ people in the story they are also Polish, so it's not like we're saying like everyone in Poland mm. is is a Nazi, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. A couple of months ago, we had a f- bit of a fun now podcast. Now I spoiled the story for you. I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it. Yeah. Um, a couple of months ago, in a bit of a fun podcast, we did our top 20 most influential uh, phantom people. Yeah, um, I listened to that. Oh, you listened to that one? Uh, I wasn't on it, so... No. Maybe. <laughs> we did. Were you um were you arguing with us the whole way? Because this and this was the challenge for us is trying to guess basically how influential um scan various Scandinavian uh, yeah. Scandinavian people had been, and um you probably you probably heard from the way we were discussing it that um we we're sort yeah. of just trying to attribute this to that person or or whatever. So um yeah, it, it was certainly a challenge to be doing that from here. Probably a bit um. I don't know what's the word, Jim. A, a, a bit futile of us to try to try and put it all in perspective. Um, well, how did we go? Was there anyone that you think we missed? Was there someone that we probably gave too much credit to, not enough credit? Do you think you should have been in the top twenty? Or no, I, I don't think I should have been in it because I'm still like I think I still have a uh, many years to come to prove myself. But um, no, it, it was interesting. I mean, it's more like a way to talk about people also, right? Yeah. So, but I can say I only have like a top two most important, I guess. Mm. And to me, it's Lee Falk is number one and Ulf Granberg is number two. Mm. So yeah. I think like yeah, you can't underestimate what Ulf did. Mm. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Not only did he do what he did with uh, Phantom Man, but he basically... He basically saved the newspaper strip as well. Yeah. Um, you know, for a long time, and this has been a part of a conversation we've had with Tony DePaul as well, is for a long time he was almost doing editing work for free for yeah. for it as well and helped the newspaper get um, Classroom Ify and Tony DePaul and Paul Ryan and, and some of these other type of guys as well. So, I, you know... I, that's probably one of the reasons why I did have him in my top five. Um, Dan, you got any other questions that we might have missed? Uh, I just um, probably one thing that um, I don't know if the word if surprise is the right word, Mikhail, but one of the things that um, impressed me perhaps tonight, or, or you've been able to impress on me through the way that you've discussed it, is the is the respect that you still have for, I guess, Lee Falk and the way that he set the whole story up, and and your desire to to bring the universes together is that is that probably fair to say that um, you do see what Lee Falk did as as Phantom Law and um, and trying to bring the universes back together? Is that have I picked up on something there or no? Yeah. So to me, yeah, Lee Falk. Is that's always canon, and what we do here might step away from that. That, but it, I mean, it's canon for us in a way, of course. But I think that uh, Lee Falk's go he goes before our versions, if there is in some cases. Like I don't believe that. I think it was the 20th Phantom. He was climbing the the 
what's it called, the Phantom Peak, and fell down and got got like a stone in his head and died. Yeah. That's not that's not how I believe that he died, because it's not like a death for a hero. It's no. like an accident. It's yeah. kind of like, but uh, but otherwise, yeah. And also, like when I write, I try to like simulate uh, Lee Falk, but like through how I would write something. Yeah. Like my second story is just like a basic jungle story with some crooks trafficking drugs, and, and he's seen a lot of like crooks in in the jungle. Yeah. Lee Falk, of course. So. I'm in the editorial in one of the latest comics. I can't remember the exact words, but the way Dudley put it is that Lee Fork's law, and then we all just kind of add. I think it, it, yeah. it was Lee Fork said the benchmark for law, something like yeah. that was the word. Yeah. And then, yeah, we kind of add to it. Like, for instance, when you were talking about uh, the third Phantom where you had yeah. um, the Phantom marrying the uh, Para. So, you know, yeah. you added to that story and Fru have started doing that with their sequel stories where you've got the story, you've got what is being created and if there is a, a contradiction in a sense, you explain the contradiction or you... Yeah. you know, I love that. I think that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying it also comes from, yeah. from me being like a Star Wars fan, you know, and trying to put together the differences between the prequel movies and like the original ones, because there's a lot of messed up continuity stuff there. Uh, uh, So I'm, so I really, I really love going back to older Lee Falk stories, but also team Phantom stories when, uh, when we do new stories and try to like find something there. Mm. Like I I usually encourage Klaus to take some, since our, our readers are now like, I mean, I guess many of them were like, starting reading Phantom back in the early 80s. I love like taking characters from that era and put them in new stories. So you yeah. like maybe some of them remembers these guys, you know, or yeah. characters. Well, I love the little, whether you call them Easter eggs or the tropes yeah. or the flashbacks, I love, you know, connecting the dots, I guess, yeah. between. But not too, but, but there's a balance there also. You can't do it too much yeah. because then you don't like scare off new readers and they're like, yeah, true. And that's what you but, were saying at the start about there being so much, such a rich history. I've answered, yeah. I've answered messages that have come to us in the last 24 hours, people saying, um, I'm brand new and I don't know where to start because there's just yeah. so much. Where do you recommend us to start? So it, it, it is. It, while the 80-plus the years gives us such a rich backstory, it can probably be intimidating for new readers yeah. to how much they've got to, to take in. Uh, it's always like we have the 80 year anniversary and we put like it on the cover on each uh, comic book that year yeah 2016 Mm. but at the same time you know you're trying to sell this hopefully to like 12 year olds yes (laughs) and they're like oh but it's 80 years old (laughs) yeah it's not but at the same time I think we do like contemporary fresh comics right now it's not it's not the same phantom of course that in the 30s that mm. evolved and and his he, the way he did it also evolved with the different artists and so on mm. Mm. but that's also a challenge because our readers some of them have been reading since the 50s and they everyone have their favorite period mm. yes. some are like they just want the phantom to be drawn by ray moore yep <laughs> but um, i mean even though i like that that kind of stuff you know it wouldn't be like possible to do it on a regular basis. Yeah. 
So that's a good question. Next year, 2020, uh, the 70 years, that's, uh, have you got much plan for the future for next oh. year? Oh my God, I haven't thought about that actually. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many anniversaries all the time. Um, no. Oh. oh. It's funny, it's like Kevin Patrick, he visited us in in Sweden and he went to our archive where we have like a lot of old like original printing. Oh, I would love to go there. Yeah. That would be, that would be, be great. It would be like a kid yeah. in a candy store. Yeah, it was like that for him. And then he was like, yeah, because it was back in 2012, I guess. And we had the anniversary. And he told me about, oh, but you're going to have the anniversary from your first Team Phantom story that was done in 63. So in 2013. So we republished that story, the first one, by Betty Williamson. And nobody really knows who, who wrote that story. Probably the editor at the time. But uh, so that... You know, like talking to fans or people yeah. like Phantoms, you always like find something. Oh, oh, that's an idea. Oh, 70 years. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be, like it's not going to be a big thing. Maybe in the first issue or something. Okay. Uh, <laughs> at least, the, at least the seed's been planted now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been thinking yeah. about you know doing like a future Phantom story where it's like a senior citizen just like. <laughs> Really old. <laughs> another, <laughs> another question I was going to ask is you made mention about the Phantom and Kids being, you would like, a separate series. You yeah. do a Christmas album and you do, and then there's that, um, uh, yeah, like, I, is the trade paperback... Is that is that like big in Sweden, like the trade paperback scene? Um, like is that is that an area that you would like to explore more, or is it not as big? Because I know because you, you do the Christmas album, and then there's also the last couple of years there's been that um, I think it's called a soft cover. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. No. So like uh, the Christmas album, we produce it for Semic. Uh, because they have like a big catalog with uh, Christmas magazines and albums and books, so we make we make the comics for them. Uh, oh, so that's not actually an Egmont; it's actually a Semic creation. Well, we create it for them. Okay. okay. Uh, and then some other other because when uh, Egmont bought Semic uh, back in '96, they didn't get the 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 part that had the Christmas albums because they were making a lot of money on the Christmas albums, so they didn't want to sell it. But they sold uh, the comics division. Um, So, yeah. What was the question? No, no, trade paperbacks. No, it's not big in Sweden. I think we could explore it more. I would like to. I'm not the boss at Egmont, so I don't get to decide. But I always say, like, because we've been doing a couple of stores, or there are a couple of stores that are, like, you know, for issues or five or something like the, the Nate Turner story it was specifically written to be collected as a book oh. but then we changed management and everything so it never like it never happened oh, hopefully hopefully it will happen there are a lot of stories that we could do it with yeah because like the soft cover books but they did a 
Uh, you did the wedding one, and then you did uh, a pirates one. Yeah, um, and we're doing a noir this year. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, because that's Andreas Eriksson has been like trying to pitch that for ages, and he finally get to do at least one book. Um, but that's like that's mostly those are mostly based on King Feature stories because they're the cheapest one for us to publish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess. And also, that is, I don't want to have them in the... I want to have as many uh, new stories as possible in the regular book. So, But with st- still catering to the fans of, like, Siberia and Lee yeah. Fox. And, 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 and they're in black and white also, so that's great for the people who still want... It's a big, you know, like, trauma in Sweden when phantoms <laughs> stop being in black and white. People are still up. Every, like, every time on Facebook when I publish... Like on the new issues out. Oh, is it in black and white? Oh, like, really? No, it's not. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can never keep them happy. No, never. Uh, yeah, but that would be cool. I would like to do that. There are a lot of good stores that that deserves being printed again. I believe. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Um, Dan, you got any other questions? Um, no, I don't. I don't know that. It, 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 Miguel, is there anything that um, that we've missed that, that we've missed? Like, like you, you just brought up Nate Turner in the last three minutes. It took us two hours to get to the Golden Eagle to, to ask about that, and that was a fascinating story. Is there is there any particular phantom story or, or uh, part of your history that you with the with the job that um, you think might be interesting or, or that we've missed? Well, no, not really. But uh, I mean. It's kind of like, it's, for me, it's a balance. Uh, I think that I've noticed that some readers or fans, they think that this is my passion and that I work with the Phantom like 24 hours each day. And, you know, because I can get like messages, private messages on Facebook and so on, like on a Sunday night or something. And they, they want, they're like pissed off that I don't reply uh, until Monday. But I mean, so that's it. But it's like, we all love the Phantom, right? And yeah. I do too. And But I have to like keep a distance mm. so I don't get like burned out, you know? Mm. Yeah, because if yeah. we're talking about the Phantom Vicky again, I would love to sit, like, spend my nights editing that page. Mm. Because mm. I think it's, I'm not really interested in real history. I'm interested in fictional history, like Star Wars and alien universes and stuff like that. And the Phantom. So I'm always like, Okay, sometimes I can think, like, I hope they fire me so I can become a full-time fan instead. <laughs> no, because then I don't restrain to office hours to work with the Phantom. Or, like, when I become a senior citizen, I could just, like, yeah. be part of the community. Because that was also an, an advice that Ulf gave me when he was my mentor. Keep the fans, like, on a, a bit of a distance because mm. you're going to get sucked into it otherwise. Mm. Yeah. Oh, look, that's because good. It, that's completely fair. Like, um, as a teacher, I don't answer emails from my students on no, a Sunday right. night either. No, you know, you've no, got to be no, able to don't, park it at yeah, school. You don't hang, you don't hang out with them on your on your spare time. Right? No, that's right. But, uh, and also, like, like I have to keep in mind also that there's this core fan base that knows a lot, like you guys. But <laughs> most of our readers are like not hardcore fans. I mean, yes. it's becoming more yes. and more like that, I guess, but uh, still, they're, they're in, so it can't be super complicated with the history and lore when we yeah. make new stories. Mm. And they need to be, it's a mainstream comic, right? Mm. And it's not fan fiction that we're doing. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. 
so that's kind of like because I would also like to, I mean, uh, like I said, I I used to draw my own comics that are slice of life comics. I would just like you know them hanging out in the skull cave. You know how how does the kitchen work and stuff yeah. like that. Yep. I would like to read a yeah. hundred pages of that just hanging out with the Bandar warriors. Yep. You know. They're, they're they're having a party or something. No 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 villains or anything. <laughs> but that's not really like possible to do a story like that. Well, I'd enjoy uh, reading it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Like there's probably a couple of hundred people who'd enjoy it. But... Yeah, <laughs> it's it's well, not the comic that you yeah. want the uh, the readers picking up for the first time and going, oh, now this is something I'm really going to get into. Yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate you talking to yeah. a bunch of uh, yeah. hardcore. Geeks, um, also, across like, the you world. Know, yeah, and it was. It's also fun to listen to. Like I have never spoken to Tony DePaul or those guys, so it's really yeah. super interesting to hear about their process and how it works at King Features. I met their former editor, uh, Brandon. I guess his name was hmm. uh, in Stockholm a couple of years ago. Uh, it's interesting because he is also from like the indie comics scene uh, in 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 the US. Um, so we have similar backgrounds there. So that was really, and, uh, and I, I really like the way uh, this is like a message to the King Feature team, Tony and those guys. I really like the the way uh, they're heading with the stories and the artwork and everything. I think it's really inspiring. Oh, uh, we recently published uh, the Curse of Old Man Moss. I think it's called yes. in English. We called it. Phantom's Death in Sweden. Oh well, uh, a bit, bit more spectacular. Yes, uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed that story. It's hard, you know, when we publish their stories in in in, in because it's you know the daily strip is every day. Yeah. Uh, and and the Sunday page is every Sunday. So, but when you publish the whole story, you know, it gets a bit uh, repetitive, and and you can see that in a lot of. Um, in the 80s with Siberia Sundays, you know, the, the first panel was the like same as the last. Yeah, yeah it's a recap. Or, so that's when you publish them all together, it's, it's a bit strange. Mm. Yeah, so, you but, see, I'm, like, I'm the opposite. I like, the way I see it is that you, re, you print it the same as it came out. So like yeah. you do like one Sunday per page and that, but it makes sense from an editorial point of view yeah, to from, from merge them. Yeah, when you merge them together. So so I've, that's a part of like a lot of editing. And also, like uh, this is a technical thing about when we publish there. Because I noticed in the through comic book before, they just like squeezed the comics in, so they, they got like yeah. the real both faces. But uh, the way Ulf Granberg instructed me was to cut like a centimeter of each panel or each strip to fit it into our into our comic book. So that's that's like something I do <laughs> manually yeah. in Photoshop. Interesting. And also, you know, they have like those little checkboxes with the, the names, yeah. like Lee Falk and Tony Paul, I, and, and the copyright line. I always remove them. Oh. And usually they're mm-hmm. on like uh, on a piece of like the background is usually like some foliage or something or rocks. That's the best. Or like it's at the edge of the corner of the panels yeah. you can just cut it but sometimes it's like in a very intricate uh, shirt with a pattern or something right. so I sit in Photoshop with like a pen and like 
airbrush it away. Oh, yeah, and use the rubber rubber stamp tool and yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of Photoshop trickery going on, which I learned as when I used to work with uh, video game magazines. So it's interesting. Okay, but it's I I guess it's a bit you know yeah it's an editing editing thing going on with those so it's not like a hundred percent like the way it's original published. Yeah. So I guess like a hardcore fan, that's a bit annoying. I know, like, I at least have one reader who hates that we're doing this. <laughs> His name uh, isn't Ivan Peterson, is it? I wouldn't. I I don't know. No, I don't think. Well, may, maybe Ivan doesn't like it either. Uh, probably not. Uh, like, he helped. Uh, he helped me out a lot with. Uh, we were publishing like. He helped me a lot in the beginning, actually, with giving me some material that I needed for. We started to publish some old, like, Ray Moore or Wilson McCoy stories. And I've given him some, I helped him out some also. Uh, with the Hermes Press stuff he's doing, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, we, we really appreciate your time. Uh, about two and a half hours now. Um, yeah. Um, I was, you said that only two people have talked for more than three hours, so I was like, I got to drag this out. Man. I gotta, <laughs> gotta, but I, I just, I'm starting to feel that I, I didn't have time to eat lunch before this. So I'm starting like, oh, I'm a bit hungry, actually. Yeah, yeah. And, and you've got to um, go and pick your son up from school soon. Yeah. Soon, yeah. <laughs> well, but we appreciate you spending your yeah. afternoon. Us, um, Thank you. Giving us such a, a, a huge uh, time in your in your day uh, in your in your work schedule uh, when you could be writing a script or um, yes, photoshopping some um, uh, some uh, pages and for the next fandom comic. So we appreciate you um, giving us your time. Uh, on behalf of me, I'll let Dan speak as well um but i just want to say thank you for everything you've done for us um for helping us out with some of the articles we've written um uh letting us pick your brain and um and stuff like that so from on behalf of me um just want to say thanks um and yeah and, and thank you um dan yeah no absolutely i'd, I'd reiterate that michael i really appreciate how candid you've been uh tonight yeah. um speaking to us um it, it there's not been any question that has been too hard, and and, and I really appreciate. Oh, there's been one, been one question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to harp on that. No, I, I do genuinely appreciate um yeah the the time you spent with us and and how open and honest yes. you've been. Uh, not not so much for us, but for all of the listeners as well who yeah. who I now have I think um a, a much greater insight into the way that um Team Phantoman works and and Egmont and and. Um, the challenges you face and also the the hope that you bring, I think, to the Phantom Universe. And, and yeah. Um, yeah, no, I really appreciate your work. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, it was great being here. And, yeah, I think it, it's a lot of cool stuff is going to happen uh, with the Team Phantom and stores in the future. So I'm pretty optimistic. Excellent. So. Yeah, well, we've been uh, enjoying um, getting them and stuff like that and uh, reporting about it on the website. And... Um, one last time, is the Phantom the father? Oh, I think I'm in a tunnel or something now. I can't really hear what you're saying. So. It's cutting out. Yeah. It's like it's, it like, it's getting try. dark. You know? It was worth a try. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Mikel. Thank you for your time. Um, yeah. 
yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, so is that a cut? Yeah, that's the cut. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Did you enjoy that one, Dan? Is Mikhail still there? No, he's gone. Okay. Uh, yeah, I did, of course. Oh, I hang did. on, we'll go. Three, two, one. Did you enjoy that, Dan? <laughs> yeah, no, I really did. Um, yeah, it was. It was. I didn't know what to expect when we we started the conversation, and uh, it probably got a surprise right from the off, from the get go when the video popped up, and um, and he's a, a guy younger than me, um, older than you, I guess, but uh, not by much. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think he was 81, I'm 83, so yeah, yeah only a couple of years difference. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it. I, I, I guess a couple of things stand out to me is that um, he, he likes the Phantom, he's a fan, he takes it serious, um, he's not trying to ruin <laughs> people's childhood, and he... Is a probably a staunch forkist. I I think so. I think the, he's certainly much more of a forkist than Ulf Grunberg was. He's probably more of a forkist than probably me. Um, I think. And you know, we, yeah. we 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 play the roles up a little bit and stuff like that because you know people like the argument and people like the discussion and all that. But he has a genuine respect for what. Lee Fork does, mm. for what Tony Dupont does, mm. um, and you know, I can see you know that there was a bit of a wanting to get a little bit closer to the the Lee Fork benchmark, mm. and um, it was really it, it was it was refreshing. It was, and you know, it, I really enjoyed it. Mm. I. I uh... I really appreciate the fact because he said that, um, and I completely respect, and I said in the podcast, I so respect that um, it's his job and he's not 24 yeah. hours a day consumed. And um, the fact that he could take eight months paternity leave, aka in Australia, how much would it be awesome to be able to take eight months paternity leave instead of the two weeks at half pay that we get? Um, My wife just took a year off, but yeah. Yeah, but, but <laughs> it was. Uh, but but yeah. we can't. We but blokes can't in Australia. We we still have the no. um, well certainly in my in my um, education yeah, system it's two weeks if you take half pay. So a I'm jealous of that. But the fact that he took the eight months and what he say he didn't think about the the job once. He got a phone call from Andreas and said yeah okay you do whatever you do and then dealt with the problem when he got back. He's got a um, yes he does love the character but he wasn't. Got a good life balance. Um, he, he, yeah, that's right. Got a good life balance. It wasn't um, bottle raised on it, so to speak. Enjoyed the character, but then sort of came into the job because someone else sort of cherry picked him. Um, and, and, mm. and whoever was in charge of that decision seems to have um, made a good call, mm. I think, because uh, the, the balance of what he's trying to do there is uh, is really clear. Yeah, no, um, I liked it. Uh, I also liked how a bit of a played a bit with us with the whole sandal thing as well. Um, oh, I don't think that was playing. I'm, I, it, clearly, he didn't want to say <laughs> at all, but uh, it, it's it's really interesting there again because um, I, you know, I don't think he likes the story much more than I do. <laughs> I, 
I don't. I think he likes the character, but he doesn't character, like yes. that element. Yes. He doesn't like that element, and I think I think that's the key difference. Is that I think maybe not all of us, but I think majority of us like Sandal Singh as a character, but they just don't like that element. And then, like when I said instead of using the word relationship, and I we called a spade a spade, mm. I think he made a comment like, "Oh wow, it sounds." Real, more real or harsh when you yeah. put it in those terms. But but that it is what it is. You know? yeah. So and he didn't if shy away happened, from that. Didn't shy away from that. This is what this yeah. is what it is. Yeah. So um yeah it's and it's interesting uh, to hear that in a brains trust of two there's um you know difference, difference of opinion that it doesn't sound like has been resolved. So as much mm. as as much as um Mikhail avoided the question. Part of that, I think, might be because he doesn't know the answer just yet. It hasn't been resolved. Yes, so, um, and I believe that's what it is. Yeah. I believe that 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 question has not been answered yeah. yet. So, well, the two questions: yes. did they did they have relationship, and is the and if it, the answer is yeah. yes, is the child the phantoms? Mm. Who knows? Mm. Well. Literally no one at this stage, so <laughs> remains to be seen, remains to be seen. Yeah. But, but, um, but I also really enjoyed the story about the Golden Eagle, and it was the only time, the only time um, for, for people who are listening, um, we've obviously got video, we haven't recorded the video because it, it, not an artist and didn't have stuff to show us, but the only time that Macau moved the camera was to show us the, the poster on the wall of the Golden Eagle, and I, I hope you could hear the pride in his voice when he was talking yeah. about that story, because we could certainly see it um, in his face. Yeah. There's um, there's a lot of um, a lot of pride around that, and and um, Did yeah. Use that I, word on purpose. Oh no, I didn't. No pun intended. But uh, no, it, it, yeah, no. It's it's really good to to hear someone has that much passion for a story that they've produced, and um, you know, got a, got a bit of an eye on the legacy uh, long term as well. Mm. So mm. yeah, and. That's another key is that he, he's not doing it short term. It's not a stepping stone to something else. You can tell he's in it for the long time, mm. long term. Mm. This is a legacy. This is something that, you know, he's put in elements so the Phantom magazine in Sweden can continue. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's put a lot of effort. He's started writing his own stories. He's mm. cut down on things. He's you know, created Phantom and Kids, Phantom's World, you know, these type of elements to try and bring younger readers back in, which is what Fru's doing. Mm. It's interesting that they've both had the same idea to try and inject mm. younger readers. At about the same time, completely independent of yeah. each other. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Fru's already got Kid Phantom as a, a standalone comic book, mm. and... Um, Mikhail said that he'd love to see Phantom and Kids as a standalone comic book. Uh, and I, I guess that's the beauty of, of a small publisher. Yes. Versus a, a, a small, you know, a fish in a larger pond, mm. is that there's a lot more hoops for Mikhail to do a standalone issue. But yeah, we're through. It's Glenn, Glenn and Dudley and Renee, and then that's it. As long as there's budget, yeah. it gets done. No, I, I, that wasn't being critical at all. I, I hope that wasn't mm. misinterpreted. That was. Um, oh no, no, no. I just, it's just it's interesting the, the the difference how they 
the different Same dynamics, idea. yeah, because yeah, um, yeah. it doesn't sound like there's many more, because the Fruit Crew is pretty famously just the three or four, maybe four and a half employees that they that they have there in Sydney. Uh, it doesn't sound like on a day-to-day basis there's many more than that working at... Uh, at Tim Phantom and at Egmont, everyone else is a freelancer in the same way that um, you know most of the artists and authors for Fru are freelancers. So probably even less. It could well be. It could well be. Just the difference is that they've got um, the backing of this big parent company that Fru mm. doesn't have. So just a, a very different dynamic of the of the publisher. Yeah, and there was that competitive edge as well. You know, Mikel's like. We still produce the best comic. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, there, there's a lot of good things going on for Phantom and uh, comic yeah. books. If uh, um, if they were printed in English and were side by side next to Fru on the on the shelf, and you could only buy one, um, it would be interesting to see where people would put their dollars. Yeah. So. Yeah. Although, you know, we probably should make mention that you can get a subscription to Phantom Men. Yep. I know some of our listeners do, and even some of our listeners have, purely based on what we do on this podcast and website. And, and I'm sure Mikhail uh, really appreciates the two extra sales yeah. that he's making from our from our efforts. <laughs> uh, just two, yeah, maybe two. Uh, but anyway, uh, we hope that you, our listeners, have enjoyed tonight. We have. It's another long podcast, I know. But um, I reckon we could We did a 20-minute one hour. the other day. That <laughs> On that average... <laughs> Surely that gives us a little bit of grace. <laughs> but um, I think with people like this, you, you just have to. You have to because you don't get the opportunity to speak to them or listen to them or learn about them every day. Yeah. Um, so we hope you've enjoyed it. Now, uh, just as per normal, we have our Patreon, uh, which is basically where you can support what we do, which helps us run the website helps us um, pay for things for podcasts, for uh, website, for space online and all that type of stuff that all costs money. Um, so that's what helps. That's what Patreon goes to. Uh, we also have one of the levels of Patreon. We have our P3 or our Phantom Preservation uh, Project re- Reward, which is basically gives you access to Phantom Hit elements of the history or phantom pieces from history so there's unpublished stuff there's newsletters from uh friends of the phantom jungle beat uh etc there's newspaper articles videos a whole heap of stuff uh that gets updated monthly uh and if you're a p3 basically you get little tidbits emailed to you as well as access to the p3 every month as well uh, of course, you can check everything out on chroniclechamber.com, uh, which is basically everything cool or every anything new, podcasts, reviews, videos, is all published on there. Uh, if you want to email us and be in touch, tell us how good we're doing or what we could do better, or if you want to contribute and help out, uh, you can get in touch with us via chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Uh, and then there's also social media as well. So you've got Facebook, which is Chronicle Chamber Phantom Fan Page, and Phantom Collector Group, which is a sister group, sister Facebook group, which is people sharing their collection. On Twitter, we have at Chronicle Tweets, 
and Instagram we have at Chronicle Chamber. And of course, uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes via apps like uh, Podbean, Player FM, Castbox, Listen Notes, and etc. And that will basically, every time we release a podcast, it will get sent to your device, your phone, your computer, or whatever straight away, um, which means you don't miss out on pretty cool stuff. So uh, we thank you uh, for listening to us. We thank Mikel for spending a good two and a half plus hours with us. Uh, Stephen, I hope your tooth is feeling a little bit better or your lack of tooth. Um, Dan, thank you for joining us, mate. And um, as always, happy fantooming. Happy fantooming. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the... So how are you, Mikael? I'm fine, thank you. How are you guys? Very good. So Pretty good. I've, um, I've got my video on. Can you see me, Mikkel? I can see you. I'm Dan. Yeah. Good, to, good to meet That's you. That's Dan. I haven't got mine on because I didn't get a chance to... Um, <laughs> you don't have clothes on, do you? Prepared. <laughs> <laughs> to get prepared. So, um, yeah, I don't have video on. Sorry. Do you want me to... Put, do you want me to... Are we going to do video or... I think it's uh, it's nicer to make eye contact if we can, mate. Yeah, and put on some clothes. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> At all least right. the like top <laughs> half. <laughs> I'm not a politician. Just all right. Give me five. Give me two seconds. <laughs> he really is. He really is. <laughs> so, um, how are you, Mikel? Thanks for thanks for joining us. I appreciate Thank talking you. to you. I kind of invited myself. <laughs> We've been keen to talk to um, what's going on in, in Tim Fantaman, uh, from well, on and off. We'd love to talking to you guys on the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of months now. Oh, cool. So, because I, I commute to work, uh, I live in another city. Then Egmont, uh, the Egmont office is in another city. Right. So I have like a commute that is uh, three and a half hours oh. uh, once a week. So I usually listen to podcasts. Okay. Um, yeah, but sometimes I fall asleep because it, I go up like five o'clock in the morning. Yes. And so I start dreaming about your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's very confusing when I wake up. Oh, that's a bit frightening. <laughs> did I just did I just come in saying that he's he only dreams about our podcast? <laughs> yeah, well, while I'm on a train. So. <laughs> can you see me now, or? I can see you. Alright. We all so. look like gamers, like we're going to play Call of Duty together or something. <laughs> well, maybe the treasures of Dracon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems to go well for the Kickstarter. Oh, we yeah. hope so, yeah. yeah. Uh, have, are you, have you, so you've been keeping an eye on it as well? Yeah, we posted a, about it on Facebook last morning, I think. So I hope that helped okay. out a bit. Uh, yeah. And you, we, we, we've written about it in the Fantomen uh, yeah. like a year ago or something. Yes, I think you were you had an ad for it before, um, yeah. certainly before Fru did. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but um, we're not recording right now, right? Uh, we're recording, but this won't go on the podcast. Okay. Okay. No. Uh, the blooper section. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 500 years ago, he 
washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad He said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy Injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe that this man cannot die The Phantom The ghost who walks The Enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom Find you.